Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to In the Huddle, the exclusive weekly talk show dedicated to NCAA Division III football's Liberty League Conference. Tonight, your hosts, Eric Wren and Frank Rossi, will recap last week's Liberty League action and interview the newsmakers around the league. We'll also preview next week's action and take your calls and online questions. So sit back and put your game face on because you're In the Huddle. Now, live from Studio One in Saratoga Springs, New York, your hosts, Eric Wren and Frank Rossi. All right. Welcome, everyone, sports fans, Liberty League fans, to the second episode of In the Huddle. I'm Eric Wren, and we are in Studio One in Saratoga Springs. Frank, you're here in spirit. You're actually someplace probably a little bit warmer than Studio One, I would imagine. But, uh, hey, we're here for the second episode as we move into our regularly scheduled time slot, Sunday evenings at 7.30 p.m. And, again, welcome to In the Huddle, Eric Wren, Frank Rossi. And, uh, Frank, second weekend after positive feedback and, and lots of demand and great participation in our first show, here we are back for a second date. Frank, we got, back to ask, we got asked back for a second date. What do you think of that? That doesn't well, happen I, here in this case. Frank, Frank I, I apologize. My, my switchboard, I had, to un, I had to take you off there. Uh, so you might have been cut off from the callers. I apologize. But I was making a comment that we actually performed well enough to be asked back to the dance. Yes, and uh, no more second date uh, making out or anything like that in my life. So I hope you don't have any expectations for tonight's show like that. No, actually, the only expectation we have, Frank, is hard-hitting analysis of Liberty League football. So, folks, again, week two, a lot of action in, in, the, in last week's docket or yesterday's docket in Division Three football, and, we're in, and momentarily we're going to actually take you in, in our weekly Round the Liberty League recap that uh, we pre-record. But I'll tell you what, Frank, lots, lots of big, a couple big games, lots of action, some surprises, some haywire finishes. We're going to get one of the players on here to join us in, in a little bit, talk about one of those finishes, and a coach from another team who was part of one of those games. Uh, Frank, uh, big, big weekend here in the Liberty League. We've just been talking about the NFL and then Division One college, and it's back to our, our, where our hearts are right now for this show, Division Three football. Yeah, I, I had an interesting personal weekend with football. and Miami Hurricanes, I'm going to uh, graduate school down here in Miami, for those of you uh, that don't realize. And the Hurricanes basically had the winning touchdown in their hands, and then it got stolen away by North Carolina for the interception and the loss. Then – Union, uh, you'll hear what happened in that game in case you missed it uh, in a couple seconds. But uh, Union had a chance at the four-yard line with four seconds to go and just couldn't punch it in. And then my fantasy team today, Eric, is terrible. So I'm really happy to be talking about Division Three football at this point because if I wasn't, I'd probably be crying somewhere. Well, I'll admit that uh, 
my some teams I'm very passionate about this weekend all one. So it was a very good weekend all around for me. So let's talk about who we have on tap for tonight. We're pleased to have four good good guests joining us here. We're going to start off in, momentarily in about 10 minutes with Pedro Sosa, sophomore tight end from University of Rochester Yellow Jackets, who had that amazing uh, last-minute win they pulled out against Union, or last second, I should say, and Pedro was a big part of that at the end of the game, followed by Coach Ed Zaloum from WPI, who, who lost a tough one at, at RPI this weekend, the Transit Trophy, and we're going to get his thoughts on that. Uh, Justin Hager from Hobart, the all-everything linebacker who seems to be a newsmaker every week is going to join us as our third guest, and we're going to round it out with the stud running back from Merchant Marine Academy, J.J. Watson. Great lineup, and uh, we really appreciate them joining us, and uh, each one of them has had an interesting weekend, be it on the win or the loss side of things. Uh, even Hobart in the game against Susquehanna, it's a kind of a questionable game that they played. Again, you'll hear more about that in a few moments, but uh, Justin Hager played strong on defense, and the defense seems to be at least getting a little bit better and better for Hobart. It's a question of the offense. Can they stay kind of uh, on par at least week to week? Now the le league season has begun. They might have been snoozing with Susquehanna coming in, and we warned them not to do that last week right here on the show. Well, that's a good segue. We're going to take you into our recap of Around the League for this Saturday ending 927. First week of full Liberty League interplay action. So, hey, Stick around here and hear about what happened around the league. In what was the ending of the week in Schenectady, the Union Dutchman hosted the Rochester Yellow Jackets. The Dutchman started the game with freshman Andrew Connolly making his first collegiate start, and Union start with a bang with an early rushing touchdown from tailback Chris Coney. Kicker Ben Rappel missed his first of three missed extra points, allowing Rochester to come back to take the 7-6 lead. Coney scored his second of four rushing touchdowns on the day midway through the second quarter, only to watch his special teams give up the lead 12 seconds later with a Rochester kickoff return for a touchdown by J.J. Torito. The second half started slow with a Rochester touchdown finally coming 14 minutes into the third quarter from quarterback Brazen Subic to Elvis Joku for a Rochester 22-12 lead. With things looking grim, the Dutchman responded with two more Chris Coney touchdowns in dramatic fashion late in the fourth quarter. Union clung to a 25-22 lead with 2.39 left, but the game was still not over. Rochester rallied downfield in just two minutes and converted for the go-ahead touchdown from Subic to Pedro Sosa, his second on the day, for a 29-25 lead. Union had one more chance with 29 seconds left and nearly pulled off the unbelievable comeback, driving to the Rochester 4 before passing the ball incomplete as time expired. The Yellow Jackets moved to 1-0 in the Liberty League and 1-2 overall, while the Dutchmen start 0-1 and 1-2 respectively. Saturday in Troy, New York, RPI hosted the WPI Engineers for the Transit Trophy game at the final home opener on RPI's 86 field. The game started quickly for RPI with two first-quarter touchdowns from Jimmy Robertson to Aaron Slavasi and Patrick McCarthy for a 14-0 RPI lead. Turnovers kept WPI alive, though, with Aaron Champagne and Justin Wells both rushing for one-yard touchdowns to make it a 14-14 tie midway through the second quarter. Robertson, Silvasi, and Nick Costa were not content with a first-half tie, with Robertson connecting with Silvasi for the second of Silvasi's three touchdowns and Costa running it in from two yards out just before halftime. Patrick McCarthy added a touchdown pass to Savasi midway through the third quarter, and the final score was 35-21 in favor of RPI, who moves to 3-0 overall and 1-0 in the Liberty League. Robertson's numbers were strong, completing 27 of his 33 passes for 285 yards and three touchdowns. Savasi had 10 receptions for 174 yards in addition to his three touchdowns. 
WPI's quarterback Justin Wells threw for 254 yards, but he was picked off twice. And turnovers helped lead to WPI's first loss of the season, moving them to 0-1 in the Literary League and 3-1 overall. Hobart played host Susquehanna Saturday in Geneva, and the Statesmen did not disappoint, although it was not their strongest game of the season offensively. The Statesmen, who jumped out to a 20-0 lead in the first half, turned the ball over four times during the day, including two interceptions by quarterback Rich Doyle to go with his two touchdowns. Anthony Hobika kept the Statesmen afloat, though, with both a rushing and receiving touchdown on the day. Susquehanna was able to gain 227 yards, with half those yards coming from running back Dave Pavlitz, who scored the first touchdown for his team late in the third quarter. Hobart was just too much for Susquehanna, with the final score ending at 27-14. Hobart moved to 3-0 overall and 1-0 in the Liberty League, and was led defensively again by last week's Liberty League Player of the Week on defense, linebacker Justin Hager, who had 10 tackles, including a sack, a forced fumble, and a fumble recovery. Susquehanna's Mitch Phillips led his team with 10 tackles and a forced fumble that Pete Johnson recovered, but it was not enough as the team moves to 1-3 overall and 0-1 in the Liberty League. The St. Lawrence Saints made the long trek to Long Island to face off against the Merchant Marine Mariners for the Hoffman Cup on Saturday. Quarterback Derek Venture started things off for the Mariners with a 27-yard touchdown pass to Chris Rye. Kicker Jeff Troy buffeted that lead to 10-0 with a 46-yard field goal, but St. Lawrence fought back with a long 85-yard passing play from J.P. Kearney to Ryan Cooney following the ensuing kickoff. The teams fought to a 13-10 halftime score in favor of the Mariners. Jeff Troy connected on his third field goal after a scoreless third quarter before Derek Venture gave his team some breathing room with a 32-yard passing touchdown to Daniel Lagomarsino with 12 minutes left. Kearney added a second passing touchdown for the Saints, this time to Connor Hackett, but it was too little too late as the Merchant Marine Academy wins the Hoffman Cup and moves to 2-2 two two overall and 1-0 and in the league following a 23-17 victory. J.J. Watson led the Mariners on the ground with 155 yards on just 32 carries, earning him the title of MVP for the game. Sophomore defensive backs Marcus Broder and Carl Heimbrock combined for 12.5 tackles, 3 for losses, and 2 fumble recoveries on the day. The Saints, who moved to 0-4 overall and 0-1 in the Liberty League, were led by Kearney's 300 yards passing and Gerard Bryant's 11 tackles, 4 for losses. So that's our wrap-up of yesterday's action. Thanks, Frank, for putting that together. That's a little, little something we thought we'd add to the show to take those of you who only really follow your team on a regular basis kind of around the conference just to get a feel for a, a snapshot of what happened to bring you up to speed. So that, that's, a, that's a nice little uh, thing we're, we're going to keep doing for you folks on a regular basis. We do have uh, Pedro Sosa come up in a couple minutes. Just a couple things. First of all, again, folks, we have a great guest to line up, or line up a guest tonight. We are going to open up the phones. We didn't have any callers last week. I see some folks in the chat room. Again, we do encourage folks to call in. Sometime around 840, we're going to open up the phones. We actually have some bonus coverage this evening, so don't feel like we're constricted and we're going to get caught off at 9 o'clock. The number you can call in is 646-200-0576. Phone lines are open. There's room in the queue. And just remember, you know, please be respectful. This is for fun. We're all competitors here, and everyone puts a lot of work into this at their respective schools. So we're not going to take any calls with, from block caller IDs. So uh, we do encourage you to call in with your comments and, and keep it friendly. It's a family show. Uh, Frank, in, in a couple minutes we have here before Pedro, I've got to throw this out there. You know, we had a great weekend, great slate of action, probably the biggest, wildest game of the weekend, and I'm sure a lot of folks I saw a, a lot of uh, commentary back and forth in the D3Football.com Liberty League board. 
that U of R game against Union, we're going to talk to Pedro briefly about it. We're not going to put him on the spot, but, hey, we have the opportunity to put each other on the spot here, Frank. You listen to that back and forth. You followed that game. What's your take on that? I mean, back and forth, where do you go from here? Let me just uh, go back for one second. As a reminder, people, too, in the chat room, if during a guest interview you have a question for the guest, please feel free to put it into the uh, chat room, and we'll ask it as long as we have the time uh, to do so. So uh, we want you to participate in every way possible. Now, to get to your question, Eric, uh, what a game. You know, it was one of those games. Remember the uh, Titans Super Bowl uh, where they fell two yards short a couple or maybe about, what, six, seven years ago? Uh, I can't remember who they uh, lost against. Maybe the Rams. I can't remember. But uh, it, was, it was one of those games. What's that? I do remember. Well, you know, it's one of those games that it was boring for three quarters uh, in a lot of ways. And then in the fourth quarter, all hell broke loose, basically. Uh, Union was down by 10 points. It was, I think it was uh, 22 to 12 at that point. And there was some controversy in that game in terms of special teams. Union missed three extra points, and they had a field goal blocked, and they gave up a touchdown on special teams. Now, in spite of that, they came back. Chris Coney had two touchdowns, as you heard, in the fourth quarter to put up Union 25-22. to And there was about 2.49 left, I think, when that touchdown was scored. And next thing you know, they did the old squib kick uh, on special teams, and it didn't really pay off. The uh, kickoff went to the 45-yard line of Rochester. Rochester just – they never hit third down on the way down the field except when they spiked the ball inside the 10 to uh, save some clock. And I, I don't really consider that a defensive third down stand uh, situation there. They had one play where they could win it or one play where they could tie it because they were down by three points, and they got it in the end zone to Pedro Sosa, who we'll be talking to. But the controversial question is uh, kind of a three-pronged question. Did Union lose because of their special teams? Did they lose because of their defense? Or did they lose because Rochester was just the better team on uh, Saturday? And there may be aspects of all three of those involved in that answer. Well, as a former player, I know you can rarely pin a game on one play. You know, certainly one play at the end of a game can be the crux point. But, hey, you play 60 minutes of football, and and there's always different factors as to why a team wins or loses. I can tell you I'm sure no one's feeling worse about himself right now than the union kicker. But that brings up one point. We're going to get to Pedro Sosa momentarily so we won't you know stay on this topic too long. But, hey, I've had this conversation with a number of folks. We've seen it in many games over the years, Frank. At the Division three level, probably one of the biggest, most iffy positions is kicker. We saw it against WP, RPI, WPI last year in that double overtime game where RPI could have iced that game a couple times with, with extra points or field goals or, or whatever it was. But over the years, as having followed this Division three in general in this conference, the kicking game is probably one of the biggest X factors on a Division three team. I agree with you there, and the one thing that people might not realize that only caught the uh, box score of that game is that Rochester, in response to the missed extra points, I think it was two missed extra points at that point by Union, uh, they had scored a touchdown, went for two to try to capitalize on it, and missed the two-point conversion. So at that point, you had a washout of one of those missed extra points by Union. So it's, it's a question you could keep asking, going round and round about, about special teams, but at the end of the day, Union gave up 29 points. Well, let's, let's, let's keep one thing in the perspective. You know, you had a lot, of the, a lot of the fans of the Dutchmen very anxious over a loss, <clears throat> a heartbreaking loss like this. But, hey, U of R is a great football team. I mean, they, they've, 
they've presented pl- plenty of problems over the last couple of years to, to, to teams in the Liberty League. They're a team that's knocking on the door and fully expects to compete for the Liberty League title. Scott Green's done a great job. You know, I, I know historically in the last few years, you know, people call the big three, the Hobarts, the Unions, the RPIs of, of the world. Guess what? I mean, Rochester is, is not, certainly knocking on the door and, and making some noise in that crowd. In the last couple of years, you've done your, you know, your playoffs, what ifs, you know, in as late as one or two weeks left to go in the season, Rochester's been knocking on that door. You're right about that. And one of the questions we're going to be asking Pedro Sosa when he's with us is essentially, you know, people are saying about Rochester, even uh, in the position they're in right now, well, you know, you, you threatened SJF, but, it, oh, you, you know, it was one of those rivalry games. It doesn't really matter. And a lot of people that are saying that are still uh, also saying, well, you beat Union, but it's a down year for Union. So then, even now the expectations for U of, U of R are not that high, and you've got to wonder what the team is thinking in the face of that. Are they basically saying, listen, we're going to prove ourselves to the world and rallying on something like that? Does it anger them? And we're going to find that out, I'm sure, from Pedro, who's going to be joining us any minute now. Well, speaking of that, I think our, our folks are anxious to uh, hear from Pedro Sosa, so we're going to go ahead and open up the phone. Pe- uh, Pedro, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. How are you doing? We're doing great. This is Eric from uh, In the Huddle, and Frank's here with us. Thanks, thanks again for joining us. We have Pedro Sosa on the phone with us, the sophomore tight end for University of Rochester. Huge game this weekend against Union, a critical play at the end, but you made a lot of big plays that game, 11 catches for 113 yards and two touchdowns. Pedro, you're part of this, what I'm going to call a youth movement in the U of R offense. You're a sophomore, your quarterback's a freshman. How do you feel playing with those big boys? Good. I'm actually, I'm actually a junior. But, um... I'm sorry, junior. I, I, I take that back. I, I made a, a wrong note. Well, still, man, you're still young. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like to think so. To my point, I apologize for that. So you're a junior, but, yeah, you have a freshman quarterback. You've got some youth on the team. You know, it's a good mix in your offense. How, how do you feel with, with, with you know, the, having, having a freshman quarterback throwing you the football? Definitely. We have, the whole offense has a lot of confidence in him. I mean, he's a great kid. I mean, he's excited to learn. He's, he's watching film, everything, and he's always coming up to us receivers and just talking about how we could run this or do something different or get open. I mean, it's fun having him back there. Fantastic. Well, you had a huge game against Union game was back and forth. I personally wasn't in Schenectady. I've played there a couple times in close games. Tell us about the atmosphere of that game, Pedro. What, what was it like? Was the crowd, you know, going wild, especially, you know, when, when Union came back and took the lead with not a lot of time left to go? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it was, it was, it was an awesome atmosphere. I love playing in those kind of games. It's just, it's just a great atmosphere. I mean, the fans there are great. I mean, we had a lot of coming from Rochester. So, I mean, it, it was just great. It was Intense, definitely intense. A lot of hearts pounding, but uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. I'm sorry, Pedro. Uh, it's Frank Rossi, and uh, for those just joining us, Pedro Sosa, tight end for U of R, uh, University of Rochester, is with us. Pedro, there was a point in the game, and last week we had your coach, uh, uh, Scott Green, on our program, and he basically seemed like a man that really wanted to win this game. And not to say that the coach doesn't want to win every game, but he just seemed very enlightened about this Union game and the streak. I mean, you guys, this was the first win against Union since 1998, the first win in Schenectady since 1987. I mean, this was a big deal. And there's a point in the game, it was fourth and one on your own, I'd give or take 45-yard line. You were up by just four points at that point late in the fourth quarter. 
and you went for it on the basically the opposite side of the field that you normally think of going for a fourth and one scenario that late in the game. Why was that game call made, and was it player-based, or was it the coach just saying, we're doing this? It was, it was kind of both because, I mean, everybody had confidence in that game, and uh, we really wanted to win that game. I mean, it's almost 20 years that we haven't won down there. I mean, we wanted to go for it. I mean, we wanted to go all the way, 100%. I mean, why not? I mean, go 100% and just, if you don't get it, get it, boy. Why not try, you know? And, I mean, we have faith in each other. And, uh, yeah, for those of you that didn't see the game, the pass uh, fell incomplete, but there was a penalty for a blow to the head to the quarterback that gave U of, R, U of R an automatic first down, and it ate up some precious time off the clock. He soon set it down. So it was uh, a call that, while didn't lead to points, was actually successful for you guys uh, at the end of the day. And, Pedro, another question I have for you. You're a tight end. You're catching 11 balls, I think it was yesterday, uh, for over 100 yards and two touchdowns. What the heck? I mean, tight ends aren't supposed to do that. Uh, what what are you talking about, about Jeremy off? Shockey? <laughs> well, well, where is he now? Uh, he's on my uh, fantasy team, not really. Uh, but, I mean, what is it about your guys' offense? Because you've done this for a few years. Uh, I've been calling union games and seeing this and then looked down the league uh, some weeks and saw your numbers. I mean, what is it about your offense that lends to you catching so many footballs? To be honest, I mean, we just – it just opened up, like, with the freshman quarterback. I mean, he brings a lot to the table. And, I mean, we got a definitely uh, a lot of young guys on the line, but they're stepping up. And, I mean, it just opened up our offense a lot this year. Definitely having the freshman uh, Brazen come in. It was just – he added a whole other dimension. Definitely. I mean, we got Clarence in the backfield, too. He opens up the pass game. And, I mean, when we pass good, I mean, we open up the run game for him. So, it's just it just opens up the offense. So, Pedro, when Union scores at the end of that game and drives down the field and takes the lead with not a lot of time left, take us back to what Coach Green said to you guys when you got the ball back and what you guys said to each other in the huddle, you know, what, what seemed to be a monumental task on the road to, to score again to try and win that game. Well, we were, um, we were huddling up before, um, before we went out on the field. Basically, it was just a common consensus that basically we were, we were out going out there to score and there wasn't going to be anything that was going to stop us. I mean, We've been practicing hard all week. We've been waiting for these big games for so long. That's why we worked so hard over the spring and so hard over the summer just, just for these kind of games. And there wasn't going to be anything that was going to deny us. I mean, we've been, I mean the two-minute two drive was just awesome. I mean, that was the best two-minute drill I've ever seen from us. I mean, we don't even practice it that good. Yeah, I'm going to say, are those some of those plays on Coach Green's list that you practiced through the week? Probably not. <laughs> not <laughs> we we definitely practiced them. played in college. You don't spend a lot of time working on some of those scenarios. Uh, you mentioned, you mentioned um, the, the work in the offseason. I've got to ask, last year you guys had, had a good year. You won some big games. Um, you were in it competing for the conference championship till, you know, till, till late in the season. You don't end up winning the league. You miss the NCAAs. What was the message the teammates had and the coach had to the team? You know, what was the feeling in the team and the message within each other, the family that you guys have going into the offseason, coming into camp, knowing you're going to lose some players and, and try to reload and compete again this year? What was the big goals that you guys set for yourself? The main thing, I mean, I remember the last meeting after our game. I mean, the main thing was Coach Green came in and he was like, next season, just be ready to play. 11, 12 games because that's that's our goal. We're going to make it to the NCAA, and he's been preaching that ever since. 
ever since winter workouts, everything, and and everybody's caught on. Everybody's bought into it. It's just it's just a common consensus in the team that everybody wants to win. Definitely so, from everyone. Speaking of that, Coach Green has a pretty impressive pedigree from Division One, you know, Big Ten, Michigan State, and the NFL. Does he bring any of that to the table? Do you guys kind of feel a little bit in awe of that? Is there any lessons he tries to instill? Do you feel a style that maybe is different with Coach Green than you know some other guys might bring to the table, or does he not really do much you know as far as, as when, you know drawing on that experience? I mean, I love Coach Green. He's an awesome coach. He's an intense coach too. I mean, every day in practice, he's he's fired up to practice. I mean, you can tell he loves his job, and so all the other coaches do. I mean, it's just. It's just exciting. Practice is fun, and we go out, and we play hard, and it's just intense. And I love the atmosphere, and I love the environment. Well, Definitely brings a good, you good try to practice, You try to practice like you play, right? Definitely, of course. Hey, Pedro, Frank Ross again. Uh, let's uh, start to look forward a little bit. You guys have RPI, I believe it is, uh, next week. And I, is it the last two years you guys have beaten RPI? Uh, you might come into the game uh, as a bit of a favorite uh, in some ways, even though RPI is undefeated. You guys seem to have their number, and you're playing at home at 12 o'clock uh, next week. But the, I had uh, posed a question before you were officially with us. I'm not sure if you heard it while you were in the queue, but uh, essentially the question is this. There are some naysayers still out there, and uh, I'm not one of them. I'll be honest with you. I, I'm starting to believe in Rochester here. Uh, we were starting to believe a little bit last week and more so now. But you guys uh, took – very uh, close uh, in the St. John Fisher game. A lot of people thought you guys should have maybe even won that game. And then people were like, hey, you know, well, it's a rivalry game. It doesn't really matter uh, that they played that close they're supposed to. Then people are saying about Union, well, Union's having a down year and they won the game still. What's your response to those people about your team right now? And then look forward to uh, the RPI game and uh, what, you, what we should expect to see in that game. I mean, to be honest, I mean, whatever happens, I mean, there's always going to be negative things. I mean, we just try to ignore that and just, just as us, just focus on each other and how how better we're going to get every single practice and just and just keep working. I mean, no one knows how hard we're working. I mean, no one comes to practice every day and sees that. I mean, we're basically the only ones in the whole, kind of the whole city of Rochester that that thought we could win the St. John Fisher game. I mean, we a little bit, but we played we played awesome. We had a lot of effort, definitely. But um, we're just going to keep working hard, and, and Rochester's definitely on the come up. Have you seen hey, any the RPI games? I was asked by one of our listeners, why do they call you Pop? <laughs> <laughs> Is that something you can share with us, or, or am I putting you on the spot? Yeah. I don't know. That's just been my nickname ever since I can ever remember. I, to be honest, my, my parents made it up. I have, I have no idea how it came to be, but it, it just stuck. Have you uh, seen any of the RPI films uh, so far? Sorry, Eric, uh, but uh, just wondering about next week's game. Yeah, definitely. I mean, they're they're a great team, and I mean, we we we're fortunate to beat them the last the last two years. But I mean, it was a hard fought game, and and they're really a tough team. But um, we're gonna have to prepare, and uh, we're gonna be ready for uh, ready for Saturday. Pedro, I see your statistics here. I just want to give you a little bit of a hometown shout out. You're from. The town of well, the school of Gates Chalai in Rochester. I am yeah. a Gates resident by birth, and that's where my family still lives. So I got to give you a little shout out for that. You know, Gates Gates in the house here. <laughs> yeah, they're doing real good this year. They're having a real good season. Good, good. You, 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 did you get a, did you get a garbage plate Saturday night after the game? No, try, the try to stay away Marine, from that stuff. Merchant Marine <laughs> announced that Seth Cantor is a big fan of those, so he always talks about those when he and I broadcast games together. 
Yeah, guys, next time I'm out in Rochester, one of you guys has taken me out for a garbage plate because I've yet to have a garbage plate, and I've done a number of St. John Fisher playoff games over the last couple of years, and I still haven't had a garbage plate with all this talk about it. Oh, you're missing out. You definitely got to go get one, definitely. Okay. So, in the last, well, Pedro, Pedro, in the last minute we have, Frank, with Pedro, I'll, I'll ask a question and I'll let you uh, finish up, Frank. But, Pedro, just um, as we're looking through the schedule here, Frank mentioned you got RPI, obviously a huge – you know, there's really no week off in this conference. I think you'd agree, Pedro. It's a tough conference from top to bottom. Everyone plays hard. You, you know, you go from playing Union this past Saturday to Rochester next week. Then you uh, travel to Susquehanna. I mean, a, a road trip like that tends to, you know, have its own effect on the team. So it's always, you know, you never know what you're going to get when you go on the road for a long road trip. You move into the end of the season, the last couple weeks, you've got uh, WPI is going to be tough. And then... Yep. You, you know, the, the last week of the year, I believe, uh, I'm trying to find here on the schedule. Oh, my page is cut off. Um, <laughs> we'll talk a little bit about, you know, as you move through the season, how you feel, you know, what you're trying to accomplish week to week with a schedule that really gives you no no week off. Yeah, I mean, definitely. The Liberty League is definitely, like, the, probably one of the most unpredictable conferences, I would have to say. I mean, there's a lot of great teams. All eight teams can definitely win at any moment. And, I mean, our schedule, we got a really tough schedule ahead of us, but um, we're ready for it. I mean, we're working hard, and we're working for that goal, the NCAA playoffs, and we're going to get there. We're going to try, and we're going to work hard. Found it, you end with Hobart. Boy, that's a great way to end the season with a team that's had perennial postseason births, you know, throughout throughout the last several years. So you definitely got your work cut out for you over the next several weeks. Definitely, definitely. Every year that I – well, the last two years I've been here, we've been playing Hobart. For, I think we have the last game both seasons, and basically it's determined who's going to win the Liberty League or who's going to who's going to get the automatic bid. And it's just it's a great it's a great game. It's a playoff atmosphere. We definitely definitely look forward to it. All right, hey Pedro. Any uh, shout outs? Uh, somebody wants to know in the uh, web chat that we have if you have any shout outs. So I'm guessing somebody planted a hey say hi to me. Uh, I'm here, so go for it if you do. <laughs> it has to be one of two. It has to be my parents or my roommates or my brother. <laughs> So yeah, well, I'll say hi to them. <laughs> What's going on, Brian? Look, Alex, Brian, mom, dad. How you guys doing? Hi, mom, well, dad. We've we've been joined <laughs> by a very classy, classy, polished young athlete, Pedro Sosa, the all-star tight end from University of Rochester, who had the game-winning touchdown this week against Union on the road. Tough win, great victory for Rochester. Uh, Frank and I would like to thank you very much, Pedro, for joining. We uh, wish you the best of luck. I'm sure we're going to be hearing your name called a lot through the rest of this season. We've got <laughs> Coach Ed Zalun from WPI coming up. But but first, we'd just like to give a uh, word from one of our big supporters, d3football.com. So thank you very much, Pedro, and have a good rest of the season. Good luck. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me. It was definitely, definitely a good experience. Thank you. Thanks a lot. All season long, let D3Football.com be your home for all the Division III football action on the road to the Stag Bowl. From interactive blogs and message boards to columns from around the region and around the nation on your favorite teams, nobody covers NCAA Division III better than D3Football.com. As the playoffs approach, get the scoop on who's in and who's out from the experts who picked all 32 teams last year. Don't go anywhere else. Get the info from the source for Division III football at www.D3Football.com. And there's a message from our friends at D3Football.com, Mr. Pat Coleman, as always, doing a fantastic job providing a forum for all things D3Football. 
So check them out at www.d3football.com and make sure you get into the Liberty League blog on the, on the post patterns. Uh, I'm going to go over the phone lines here. I'm assuming this is Coach Ed Zaloom. I can't quite read the numbers, so let me just double check. Uh, Coach, is that you? Yes, it is. Hey, Coach, this is Eric Ren and Frank Rossi. And hey, I, I'm How sure you doing, guys? over the years you've spent plenty of time in the huddle. So <laughs> thanks again for joining us on a Sunday night, you know, one of your, you know, your rare times off. And uh, we appreciate having you here. My pleasure. So, Coach, you had a, uh, a tight game, you know, for, for, for a while there against RPI, a team that uh, for the Transit Trophy last time is going to be played at Six Field. Didn't quite come out, I'm sure, the way you wanted it, but a, but a hard-fought game. I've played in that game a few times myself on the side of uh, RPI. So, Coach, what, uh, what are your thoughts? How, how do you, how do you, uh, you know, what do you say to your team after, after a tough loss like that, trying to move on and focus on next week? Well, what do you say to any team after a tough loss? You know, on any given Sunday, 50% of the teams in this country are are going to lose, and some of them will lose to teams that they should uh, should definitely beat. You know, the only thing you can say is learn from it, get your heads back up, and let's go. Well, you know, put the game behind you, except from for what you can learn from it, and uh, let's go one and zero next week. You know, uh, so uh, we learned a little bit from playing that game, and uh, now we got to move forward. Coach, uh, last season, it's Frank Rossi here, and uh, we appreciate sure. you joining us. Uh, last season, uh, your team started 4-0, 3-0 in non-conference games, 1-0 in the league before losing the last six. Not the right. way you wanted your season to end, obviously, uh, or even go down the stretch like that. This season, you start 3-0, and you lost, uh, obviously, a tough one yesterday. I mean, is there this possibility that your team starts believing even now that, uh-oh, here it comes again? I, or is it is this a different season in a lot of ways? And if well, so, like, why do you think? You really want to avoid that. You know, we we had some very difficult losses last year late in the game, you know, as you know, with, with RPI and uh, uh, with uh, Hobart and Union in some case, two years ago with Union here in the last play of the game. Uh, you know, we've been bit at the very end of ball games. So, no, you know, you try and avoid that. It's not something you bring up to your team because you don't want to draw anything, any attention to it. Uh, but uh, hopefully that that'll be avoided. I think we got a good football team. I'd like to have more depth, but uh, you know, we, we'll each year you look at it new. We're three and one. You want to start out undefeated. You know, when you want to start out three and zero. And when you go to play an RPI football team, which is always going to be well-coached and a good football team, you know it's going to be a good game. And uh, one of those teams is going to come out a winner and a loser. But whoever comes out losing that game certainly shouldn't feel bad about themselves as a football team. And we don't feel bad about ourselves as a football team. Coach, you brought up the uh, Union game a couple years ago. Obviously, next week you uh, face Union after uh, what Union uh, faced was a probably even tougher loss than you guys faced in a lot of ways yesterday because of the, just the tenor of the game in the fourth quarter. Uh, but two years ago, you guys uh, came from behind in that game. Uh, it was 28-27, to 27, and you chose to go for two in uh, the win at home. I still get goosebumps when I think about it. I did the uh, game call for Union and it was just kind of a frantic pace in that game and the way the crowd was and everything. And Doug Davis from Union intercepted uh, the pass in the end zone uh, to thwart the uh, two-point conversion. But it was a gutsy call, no doubt about it. And Mike Shanahan-esque, some people might say, uh, from the NFL a few weeks back. What made you make that game call? And if you were in a similar circumstance against, let's say, Union this year, would you still make that type of call? 
Well, <laughs> it's an at-the-moment call that you make. It's not like you have hours to think about it or four quarters to think about it. But at that time, I really thought it was the right thing to do. Uh, there was a couple of factors. Union was starting to wear us down. They were very big from tight end to tight end, if you remember. They had a great running back. You know, they were deciding at the end of that ball game, at the beginning of the game, they tried to throw the ball a great deal, play some finesse football. Uh, towards the end of that game, they lined up two tight ends and ran that great running back at us, and we were starting to wear down. So I'm not sure going into overtime would have been a good idea for us against Union College. I felt they had more depth, more size, and if they decided to go between tight end and tight end, we were going to have a tough time. And the other thing is momentum. And in the game of football, you've got to play. Uh, momentum's a great factor. We had just scored. We're at home. It's homecoming. Uh, everything was going right for us. And I thought it was a good time to let's make it, let's break it right now. You know, And I think that's the way the fans, I think the fans felt strongly about it. I think our football team felt strongly about it. Yes, we didn't score. Had I known what the result would have been, uh, certainly I would have not have gone for it. But at that time, we felt good. And, uh, you know, I, no, I wasn't going to look back on that decision. That, that's the decision. That's the way it was. You know, if anything, I'm, I would have changed maybe the play that we called. But the decision <laughs> itself, no. <laughs> no, certainly not. Fair so enough. If, and, uh, if, go I could, ahead. if I could take this uh, maybe in a different direction, I'm curious. Coming into the, the Liberty League, you played, you know, in, in New England – a New England-based schedule. Um, what What's your thoughts on on the transition, and if there's any you know pros, cons, kind of neutral feeling to the the, the style, the whole the whole aspect of, of you know playing in an upstate New York-centric football conference, and how that impacts recruiting, exposure, things like that. Yeah, you know that's a great question. You know when we first uh, went into this league a couple of years ago, I knew we were sta taking a big step up. There's no question about it. Uh, but the school had wanted to get into more of a private uh, school league. We thought it would look better for our school, uh, you know, from that basis. Uh, but we knew we were definitely going to take a step up, and we had to meet that challenge. You know, and it's, it's, it's great football. I mean, every week you've got to play. I think you guys put it very well with a young man from Rochester that – you know, there's not any game that can be taken for granted in this league. Anybody can knock off anybody if you're not ready to play football. So, you know, we had to become more competitive. And, you know, in truth, we are more competitive. We haven't, we haven't lost to a team in New England in four or five years, and we're, we thank God for that, you know. So, uh, but, you know, you really got to strap it up in that league and, and play more competitive. You remember Coast Guard entered into this league with us but have since uh, dropped out of the league because of, uh, you know, because they felt it may have been too tough for them. Uh, so, you know, yeah, you know, it's caused us to be a lot more competitive. We've got to play a lot better football. As far as the recruiting, I, you know, I still don't know how that might affect the recruiting. It's a great question. You know, uh, we don't get as much, uh, how should you say, publicity around this area or as much exposure. It's not like we're playing in – in different schools in New England where kids can come out to see us play locally. So uh, that still remains, uh, you know, a mystery to me of how it's going to affect us in overall recruiting. Well, you did okay with a linebacker from Rensselaer. <laughs> yes, we did. We did. I, I, I do have one follow-on question. I'm going to throw this at you. you, you you're, you're, you're on my hot seat because you happen to be the only coach I have on the line, so I want to ask your take on this. 
you sure. just made a great you made a great point about trying to raise the bar, play better competition, elevate yourself within you know the Liberty League Conference, and that being the the, the caliber or the the uh, the um, catalyst to do that. What's your take, Coach? On you know a lot of fans of different teams like to have their chats and, and their and their what ifs. You obviously join a conference which I think from top to bottom enhanced the competition that you play and hopefully makes you guys a better football team and gives you more of a springboard to do some good things. That being said, what's your philosophy when, when you choose to schedule outside of your conference? There's different schools of thought on, okay, do we go after the, the, the big boys, you know, the mountains of the world like Fisher did? Do you, do you schedule someone that, you know, you kind of look at and say, hey, you know, they're, they're not as tough. This is a good chance for us to tune up. Um, it seemed to work both ways for lots of teams. I'm just curious, Coach, your thoughts on, on how you approach out-of-conference scheduling. Well, you know, you, you know, you could say we, we played UMass, Dartmouth, uh, Worcester State, and so on. You know, uh, those teams aren't bad. They're not uh, Freedom Football Conference. I mean, they're not Liberty League Football Conference type teams. But they're very good teams, and they truly are. Uh, but, you know, at the same time, you know, you have to I, – I remember as a young man, you know, here's a great story. My first football uh, clinic I ever went to uh, as a young man, here I was just out of Cortland College, by the way, 21 years old, and I went to a clinic in Binghamton, New York, and I sat down and I had the notebook out and the pencil sharpened up, and there was a famous coach at the time from Cincinnati, University of Cincinnati by the name of Mason, and he says, men, I'm going to give you the three keys to being successful uh, in your football program, and I thought, oh, man, here it is, you know, he's, I'm getting it all right now, you know, so... You know, I sat up and stood at attention. He says, number one, scheduling. Number two, scheduling. <laughs> number three, scheduling, you know. Uh, those are his three keys to winning. You know, there's different takes on it, I guess. We've got to worry about how much depth we have. Can we stay physically fit week to week? You know, we give up a lot of size in this conference. So, you know, I can't be playing against uh, – you know, listen, Union goes out and plays Muhlenberg and, and great, and uh, Rochester goes out and plays St. John's Fisher. If we choose to play that 10 games in a row, we're not going to be around the 6th, 7th, and 8th game because we don't have that kind of depth. So instead, we play good teams here from New England. It's more local. It doesn't cost us as much to play those teams. Uh, and we, we need some local press. We need that. We need local interest uh, in order to help us to recruit because, let's face it, we've got to get the New England kids that otherwise are interested in the math, uh, uh, technology, and science fields. So we have to get some kind of exposure here in New England. Coach Frank Rossi again. Uh, for those just joining us, Coach Ed Bloom from uh, WPI joining us here in the huddle. Uh, Coach, my first exposure to you uh, was back a long time ago, uh, it seems like, and that makes me sound old right now. In uh, 2001, uh, it makes you, you uh, sound old. What does it make me? You know, Frank. Uh, you're, you're, you're a young guy. I've seen you. <laughs> I've seen you on that sideline. You're you're active on the sideline. I'm just standing there, uh, kind of calling things. That's that's all I do. So you got <laughs> one on me. 
But in uh, two, uh, 2001, you uh, brought in the WPI team to Union, and it was right after 9-11. There was a lot of questions as to whether that game was going to be played or not. And it was a rare circumstance after the game. Union had defeated you in a really hard-fought game, I believe, uh, that year. But you addressed both teams on the field after that game, a very rare thing for uh, that to happen. I mean, take us back. What did you say to the teams uh, that day, and how close was that game to not being played uh, in retrospect? Well, you know, I've got to admit something to you, Frank. That was a very difficult week for me. Uh, I've never had trouble uh, going out to a practice field and preparing a football team, um, regardless of what the circumstance was the week before, whether we won, whether we lost, whether we were 0-5 or 5-0. But I've got to tell you, that was probably the most difficult week for me to go out to a practice field because it seemed so meaningless at the time. And I remember calling the commissioner almost every day and asking him, am I the only guy that's having this kind of problem and should not all games be canceled? And he said he had already gotten a million calls, the head of the NCAA, on that issue and that they still felt it was better to play so that we wouldn't lend any credence to what went on and the country would, wouldn't be in panic as a, as a result of everything being canceled that was going on. So, you know, I felt very strongly at the time, and we had a, a, a ceremony on the field. And I, I, you remember that, Frank. I think it was before the game. I think we mm -hmm. gave honor to the people that had passed away in the whole incident. And then after the game, I just felt this great passion to to, uh, to talk to both teams. And, you know, John Ardino and I have always had a good relationship with Gary Reynolds, the whole coaching staff there. If you remember, I'd coached in that area for many years and got to know those guys very well. So, no, you know, I, you know it's hard for me to think back and remember what I said. I simply, I, I, I guess I wanted to say to the players to, uh, you know, um, that our hearts should go out to those people that passed away and so on, that you as the young people and you as athletes especially, I have a, a great fondness for college football athletes and college athletes as a whole. I believe they're going to be the next leaders of our great nation and of the world. And I said, you know, that, that is that what was very important is that they take the things they learn here on the football field and they use that in the future and to make sure that our country remains strong as a result of their character and the things that they learn out on the football field. And I think that was the basic message that I was giving them at the time, you know, uh, because it seemed to me I was very confused at the time. It looked like the world around me was collapsing. If you had told me then uh, that there would never have been another attack on our United States up till now, I would have never believed it. You know, I think so we I all that's one of those moments, Coach. It's the Pearl Harbor of our generation in the standpoint. We all kind of remember where we were. I'm sure it, it really yeah. put a lot of things into perspective. Again, folks, you're in the huddle. We're with Coach Ed Zaloom of WPI. Fantastic, fantastic stories here. Coach, it's a great interview. Uh, we uh, only have about two more minutes left with you, Coach. i got a couple quick questions, and we're going to move sure. to Justin Hager linebacker from Hobart. Fortunately, folks, we do have some bonus coverage tonight, so we're not going to be cut off at 9 like last time. So we, we, we try to move things along, but when you have great interviews like Coach Zaloom here, you like to keep them rolling. Um, Coach, I, I do have one question. We try to indulge our fans. We don't put them on the phone with you and give you gray hairs that way, but we do some take some text <laughs> questions. So uh, I have one question from a fan, Coach, who asked – let me just back up a little bit here. He asked uh, – 
about a series in the RPI game late in the game, if there's anything to this injury or whatnot, where I guess you replaced uh, your quarterback Swanton for a series or two with, or I'm sorry, Wells with, with Swanton. Right. Was there any any particular, you know, development behind that, or, or was there any? I don't recall that. So No, just, you know, it's, it's a good question, by the way, and, and, you know, you go back and forth on that. Mike Swan is a very able quarterback, and so is Justin Wells. I think they're two of the two of the best quarterbacks. And uh, you know, it's hard to go a complete game with Mike Swan on the sideline. He's that good. And in this game, you never know what, when a guy's going to go down, how long a guy's going to stay healthy. And when you got a real good number two, I mean a real good one that you're confident in, uh, you got to get him some playing time in case that time comes. Not in cozy situations, not either when you're ahead by 40 or when you're down by 40 where there's no pressure, but you've got to get them some experience in some pressure-type situations. And I'm not sure there's, there's a drop-off there with Mike Swanton and Justin Wells, and not because one's, you know, they're bad quarterbacks, only because both of them I feel are very, very good. Now, Mike didn't come in and play as good as I would have liked him to play. And Justin Wells had a solid game, you know, but, you know, he also threw two picks at critical times. But they weren't his fault. The situation, I thought RPI played those plays well. Uh, So it's just one of those things. You never, you know, I've always had a belief that you never want to destroy one player for the sake of another if two players are very good. You know, so that's just one of those things. Whereas other coaches believe you go with one quarterback, I've never been a believer of that. Coach, great answer. You uh, definitely, we definitely appreciate your candor there. Uh, the last question I have for you, Coach, is, uh, again, shifting gears just a little bit. You coached under a local legend. They call it the Bob Ford Coaching Factory here at the <laughs> University of Albany. Coach, I'm just kind of curious. What what the uh, hey live radio gotta love it. What the biggest lesson? <laughs> I guess your biggest takeaway, kind of the things you learned coming from Albany, which produced you Albany in Bob Four, which produced a lot of great names at a lot of levels. What was your kind of big big takeaway from from the Capital District here? Well, Coach Ford's one of the best, and uh, you know if you look around, you'll see Joe King also coached with Coach Ford. Uh, John Ordino also coached with Coach Ford. Uh, a lot of the assistants in the area coached with Coach Ford. Uh, you know, the thing I took away from Coach Ford was very strong work ethic, uh, very high organizational abilities, and, uh, you know, he always had a good rapport with his players. Uh, he always got the best out of them. I have nothing but the greatest deal of respect for Coach Ford, and I was honored to have, have worked for him. You know, so that was a great experience, as it was for so many of us, if you look around in college, you'll see there are many head coaches at all different levels who've enjoyed a great deal of success, and they all came out of the uh, University of Albany program, and we all owe a lot to Coach Ford for the successes that we've had. Well, Coach Shalhoun, I'd like to thank you as well. I know Frank's going to take us out, but this is great, Coach. Mm-hmm. Welcome anytime. You're great to talk to. This is Eric. Well, guys, it's great that you're doing this show. You know, we're... We're most appreciative. You know, you guys have taken the time out to do a show like this, and, uh, you know, that's a great thing. And I know the people in the Liberty League uh, appreciate it, and people who who love the game of college football uh, appreciate it too. So the thanks goes to you guys. Well, over 100. Coach, I'll leave the – 
I'll be there next week uh, for you uh, to do the union game, actually. So I'd love to shake your hand on the sideline if I get a chance to uh, when I'm out there in Worcester. Be a pleasure, Frank. Likewise. And we've been talking to Coach Ed Saloon from WPI. Tough loss against RPI, but they're still 3-1 and one at WPI and facing Union College this Saturday at 1 o'clock in Worcester, Massachusetts. We're going to send it to Justin Hager in just a few moments, but first we're going to have an NCAA slot here from in the huddle. So, EJ, we've designed you a signature shoe worthy of a three-time All-American with mad smarts and sick leadership skills. Ta-da! There are over 380,000 NCAA student-athletes. Yeah, you got your GPA in Boston, right? Yeah. I love it. Ah. And just about all of them will be going pro in something other than sports. Can I get it in a loafer for Casual Fridays? Yes. Yes. And you're back in the huddle, the only talk show devoted to Liberty League college football action at the NCAA Division III level. I'm Eric Wren, joined live with my co-host Frank Rossi, a.k.a. Mr. Miami. You like that title, Frank? <laughs> Uh, I'm actually, I, I prefer Mr. New York City when I'm up there. It, it's been a tough a couple of months getting used to this area, so uh, New York City is more for me, I think. I do believe that you, we might be the only Division Three college football show based in Studio One Saratoga Springs that is co-hosted out of Coral Gables, Miami. So blazing new trails here in Division Three football. This is In the Huddle, our weekly Liberty League show. We've got Justin Hager, a senior linebacker, Form Hobart College on the line. Just to remind you folks, after uh, Justin, we're going to have J.J. Watson. We're running a couple minutes behind schedule, but that's okay. we got some bonus coverage for you tonight, so stick around. We're going to get everyone their full share. And after Justin and uh, J.J., we're going to open up the phone to callers. And remember, your call-in number is 646-200-0576. And we do have a chat window open if you want to ask some questions or make some comments, feel free to do so. So I just open up the phone to a 716 phone number. I'm hoping that's Justin. You are correct. Thank you for having me, guys. Hey, thanks a lot, Justin. Boy, let's see here. I, I like to start with stats. I like to, uh, you know, start with, with, with your performance last week. But I just want to kind of start by saying congratulations on a, on, a, on a big win. Congratulations on a great run. You've had a lot of success there at Hobart College. And specifically this past week, Ten tackles, a sack, and a forced fumble against uh, Susquehanna in a 27-14 win. Justin, uh, what, what do you think about uh, the whole format of a uh, talk show devoted to you guys? Well, I'm glad you guys are doing this. This is really giving a good publicity to uh, the Liberty League and uh, getting, to, getting some players on, some talking, some coaches. Uh, thanks for doing this, guys. Great. And, Justin, if I could just ask you if you don't <clears throat> don't mind – Speak up just a little bit. Uh, sometimes on these, the way our connection's set up, it, it gets a little bit of uh, gets a little bit tricky. So if you could speak up, it would help our listeners. Just so we, you know, we appreciate it on that one. Um, okay, I'll do some of that. You, you you come into this week, uh, you know, undefeated as always, vying for a spot atop the Liberty League perennial postseason team. What's the mindset of the statesman heading into 2008? Um. We really want to focus this year on just trying to go game by game, getting a win as we go. We're 3-0 as of right now, feeling pretty good about it, but 4-0 is always better. So just trying to take it game by game and uh, trying to go for the undefeated season Liberty League Championship. Hey, Justin, Frank Rossi, and uh, for those just joining us, as always, Justin Hager, 
is joining us in the huddle, uh, inside linebacker from Hobart College. Uh, yesterday's win, 27-14 uh, against Susquehanna, some people weren't thrilled with the offense uh, yesterday, coughing the ball up four times uh, total, but the defense seemed to stand pretty firm uh, to keep that win in check. Uh, was there any underestimation, do you think, of Susquehanna, who's had a little bit of trouble since they joined the Liberty League last season, or was Susquehanna just that strong on defense to take, a ball, take the ball away that much? Um, I think this year they looked a little better on defense than last year. It looked like they've been improving. The guys look good on their side. And also it was a little wet. It was a little rainy yesterday's game, and both teams were coughing up a little bit, and we just happened to uh, get the turnovers on defense to help us out and let our offense get going. Erica Rennett pointed out to me uh, before the show, actually, uh, we, we do this really big uh, prep session uh, for the show every week. You know, we, we can't really get into how deep uh, we prep for the show, but it, it's something else. And uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, five minutes at least, I'll tell you. But uh, he did bring up the point, you know, Hobart has never lost more than one Liberty League game since the formation of the Liberty League. And you've been there for a decent amount of time and seen the tradition of Hobart football. Why are you guys so darn good every year? Um, actually, I'd have to credit that to our coaching staff and the players they bring in. They bring great players, and they set up great game plans every week. Uh, we prepare really hard Monday through Friday, and we just get ready to play for the weekends. They put together a good strategy, and we just go out and play our hardest and, uh, and make good calls and seem to find the W somehow. Jackson, we have a question in the chat room, actually. This is supposed to be fun. you got to take a page from, like, Ocho Cinco and when Frank asked that question. That's a softball. You're, so, you're supposed to say, it's because we have the best linebackers in the conference. <laughs> <laughs> we got some pretty hey, yeah, good just, other ones out there, too. I have a question in the chat room. Uh, hey, uh, Eric, uh, I don't know if you saw the chat room question. Yeah, it's actually yeah. a good one about Justin. And it's uh, where, uh, where else did uh, Justin get recruited, and why did he choose uh, Hobart? Uh, academics, location, football, uh, question mark. So, Justin, where else were you recruited by, and why did you choose Hobart for that matter? Um, I actually was recruited by St. John Fisher and Ithaca pretty hard for football, and it came down to Ithaca and Hobart. And I also play lacrosse here at Hobart, and that added into the factor a lot. He won lacrosse here, and I kind of just chose lacrosse and football here because I like the programs better. And it's worked out pretty well so far, so I'm happy with my decision. How much of a focus, Justin? I know obviously folks don't know this; they're you know they're living under a rock. But Hobart historically has always been a national powerhouse in lacrosse, and you have the privilege of playing two sports in college. Not a lot of folks can do that. Um, do you feel that that adds something to your game as far as you know some additional kind of special coordination or, or, or mentality or, or things that it takes to be? a lacrosse player as well as a football player. I guess my question to sum it up is, what impact has being a two-sport athlete had on your football game? Um, on the football game, I think it helps me out because I'm in, I'm in season year-round pretty much, training year-round, and against D1 athletes in lacrosse, it's still I'm just improving my game in different areas, and I think it helps me on the football field speed-wise, work-wise, and stuff like that. So, and also it helps me academically, keeps me on track with one set line, focus on task at hand and get it done. Everyone likes to think, you know, when you're football players, you're, you're, you, you're at the top of the food chain, you know, physically as far as demand, physical demands. Can some of those lacrosse guys 
put a helmet, strap it on, put the shoulder pads on in, in, in football here with us in D3? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, they could. Um, we had another player on our team last year, Dan Spinella. He played fullback for us and he was a face-off guy for us for lacrosse. Great fullback. And we had some guys from lacrosse team actually walked out in football team this year. Uh, Michael Zorn, number 42. He's playing wide receiver for us this year. And uh, Nunzio Doldo, he's uh, another football guy that's from lacrosse team. Justin Hager is joining us in the huddle right now, inside linebacker for Hobart College. Hey, Justin, a lot of people wonder about Coach Craig. Uh, Coach Craig seems to live by the sword, die by the sword, and uh, some people get concerned about that fact uh, in terms of some of his game calls. Uh, every so often he'll, he'll pull a wild one, like a punt fake on the one-yard line. Uh, I remember uh, calling a union game, I think it was 2004, where that happened. What's Coach Craig like, and is he really that off the seat of his pants uh, in terms of his game calling, or is there a method to his madness, do you think? Uh, there's definitely methods to his madness, but, and I, I would say there's madness, but um, <laughs> I love his attitude. It's go big or go home. you got to make the plays, and he expects nothing of the best from all of our players, and he has total confidence in us. That's why he calls us, and they can make the game. So I love him for it. So here's a question for you, Justin. You've been around this league now for a few years. You're definitely a veteran. You're a guy who's seen the postseason. You've, you've seen the teams. We like to talk. A phrase I get a lot of mileage out of is the landscape of the Liberty League, so I think you know that landscape pretty well. As you look at this schedule, are there any games that you like to circle on the calendar? It's kind of a, you know, Obviously, they're all important. They all, they all mean something. But is there anything out there that you know, means something more to you or has a little bit of a personal twist? You know, for me personally, i give you an example. When I played for RPI, you know, I circled any time I got to play in Rochester on the schedule because I'm from Rochester. You know, I had that personal twist. So we got to play U of R and Fisher when I was here. Is there anything that you look at the schedule and you say, here's something that has just a little bit more of a twist for me or, or here's something I got some kind of a personal stake in? Um, yeah, just like Coach, uh, Coach from WPI said in Titan Sosa, uh, every game's a big game here in the Liberty League now. Uh, they're going to be good rivals all around. And uh, you got to take it game by game and focus on the week at hand. But uh, I think Rochester's a big game that's kind of close to my hometown. And um, too bad we couldn't play Alfred this year. That one was a good one last year. And uh, I think we're just focusing on St. Lawrence right now, and that's a good one. Old-time rivalry from what I understand from some of the older coaches in there. You bring up St. Lawrence, and uh, they're having a troubled season, 0-4 uh, right now, 0-1 in the Liberty League after a tough loss uh, yesterday in the Hoffman Cup game against Merchant Marine Academy. I I brought up the fact that it seemed like against Susquehanna, your offense came out a little bit flat throughout the game. I mean, is it tough to get pumped up for a game against a team that's 0-4? How do you keep yourselves from falling asleep in that type of situation for a team like that to come in and bite you? Um. We really try not to look too much at the record. We try to look at the personnel. And, you know, if they have the good players and they have the ability there, anything can happen. So they go out and play the game on Saturday. So regardless of the record, you know, you always got to go out and play the game and try to do your best and hopefully walk away with them. Hey, Justin, you've been in the postseason now in your career. You, you, felt, you, you, know, you felt what it's like to be, to be at that next level. Is there a point to where, at this stage of your, your career and how, how much you've been doing this, look, if I don't make it to this level, I feel kind of like I haven't accomplished as much as I want to or it's a little bit of a letdown, for example, maybe going two or three rounds deep into the NCAA? Um, 
for my four years here, we or my three past years, we made it in the playoffs every year, and that's always one of our main goals. And uh, I think for this year, we want to get out of the first round, get out of the second round. We want to be the first Hobart team in history to be playing in December. So that's our main goal we're focused on right now. Yeah, there was a history not that long ago where Hobart, it, it, there was a kind of question as to whether you guys were going to be able to host certain playoff games just because it was such a strange feeling uh, and the time of year it fell and everything for Hobart to be hosting games at that point in time. And now it's like old hat for you guys. And that's definitely because of guys like you, uh, you're a senior now. And, you know, as you said, you've seen three straight years of NCAA playoffs. And that's just a big credit to guys like yourself on that team, Justin. Yeah, well, when I came in here, we had great senior leadership. We've had great senior leadership all the way through, and guys just telling you to do the right thing, play hard, work hard at everything, and stuff will just work out. And it's worked out pretty well so far, and hopefully it can continue in this year. And Frank makes an excellent point, Justin. I mean, we were talking about this in our prep for this show. You know, historically in upstate New York, you know, for a lot of years, before the formation of the Liberty League, and you're talking about postseason, Union kind of was the bellwether. Union, the Ithacas, the Cortlands, they formed these conferences with automatic qualifiers. RPIs made a decent run. Union's gotten a taste. But, you know, in some ways, you you look back at your record, and I point that stat out to Frank. We have only lost no more than one league game per year since the formation. How do you guys feel? I mean, you definitely would have to be positioned as probably the year in and year out, you know, probably one of the best, the 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 stalwart team of the Liberty League. Is, is that a is that a mantle you like to have? Would you rather be a team that doesn't carry that, you know, perception? I mean, there's no denying the success Hobart College has had in the Liberty League since its inception, and I think it's a statistic that might sneak up on people. Yeah, we're pretty proud of that. We've we've had a good run here since 2000. I'm pretty sure it is, and uh, been to playoffs quite often. And uh, we we we're proud of that. We like to keep it that way. And uh, I know our coach harps on that for recruiting too, and that helps out a lot. Saying, hey, we've been to the, we've been to playoffs more than anyone else in New York State, and uh, helps out all around, just recruiting and uh, also building up your own. Say, I don't know. Um, well, Justin. Uh, Frank Rossi again, not to cut off your answer, but next week, as we said, St. Lawrence, uh, every game a big game, as you said, and, you know, uh, it's one of those things that uh, next week we're going to have the uh, commissioner of the Liberty League actually joining us. Uh, We haven't advertised that yet, but we'll drop that now. Tim Danahy is going to join us to talk about the league, and Hobart's going to be definitely a name that comes up in that conversation, and, you know, we wish you the best of luck down the stretch, uh, no doubt about it. Any shout-outs you want to give, though, uh, before we send you out? Uh, yeah, I want to give a shout-out to the rest of my team, uh, all the guys on the defense. Give a shout-out to the Hobart Lax team and to my roommate, Terrence, and my other uh, housemate, number 15 on the team, Matt Deliva. Listen to them in right now. How much do they pay you for that? Hey, nothing, nothing. Uh, <laughs> Couple dinner tonight, clean up the house. So, I okay, that's well worth it if I remember my college days correctly. But uh, Jess, we really appreciate you joining us tonight. Okay, thank you guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks for doing this. Yeah, thanks again, thank Justin. You. Best of luck to you the rest of the way through the season. We'll see. You, at least I definitely will see you on on the last home game at 86 Field against RPI.
Okay, I look forward to meeting you. Thanks again, guys. All season long, Legendaryfootball.com be your home for all the Division Three football action on the road to the Stag Bowl. From interactive blogs and message boards to columns from around the region and around the nation on your favorite teams, nobody covers NCAA Division Three better than D3Football.com. As the playoffs approach, get the scoop on who's in and who's out from the experts who picked all 32 teams last year. Don't go anywhere else. Get the info from the source for Division Three football at www.D3Football.com. Yeah, okay, so you can see the five minutes of prep we do before every show just came in right there. Live radio, baby. (laughs) (laughs) We want to thank Matt Coleman again from D3Football.com and Keith McMillan, for that matter, also. Hope to have him on the show. Uh, Especially as we get closer to playoff time, uh, those playoff scenarios are going to start coming at us fast and furious before you know it. You know, Eric, we only have a few weeks, uh, at least for regular season, to do this game. November 15th is the last weekend of uh, regular season, and that's less than two months away. So this time's going to fly by, and we're going to try to get as many guests from as many schools as we can. And uh, not just that, but like I said, Tim uh, Danahy, the commissioner of the Liberty League, will join us next week. Uh, That should be a really interesting interview about the future of the Liberty League because, you know, there's always questions about you've got Susquehanna to the west of it, and WPI to the east of it, and how they're going to hold everything together with a bunch of changes that are coming up in the New York and New England areas in uh, different conferences, especially the Empire 8 and the new uh, North Atlantic Conference that's coming up very soon. So it will be an interesting interview, and we want you to join us in the huddle next Sunday night at 7.30 p.m. We'll uh, possibly be on again for an extra uh, half hour in that show to get your phone calls. Well, I do like to refer to that as bonus coverage. We've listened to the fans. We provide that that coverage. We're going to be taking calls after our next guest. I would just like to say, Frank, you know, this show is personally, on a personal note, giving me, giving me something to do besides think about Monday and real job, because I guess, <laughs> I guess just like these players, you know, they're student athletes. They've got something outside of football. Believe it or not, Frank, I think most of our listeners probably think you and I are full-time radio broadcast professionals, but we're not. Hard to believe, I'm right? I'm a student right now in a uh, demanding uh, law school master's program, and I'm going to have to call two games over the next two weekends, and I'm starting to panic a little bit about it. But, hey, you know, we got two hours to just relax and take some phone calls here and stuff, to, which to me is actually therapeutic. We're all students in life. That, on that note, I'd like to mention you are listening to In the Huddle on Blog Talk Radio. This is the exclusive talk show devoted to Division Three College Football, the Liberty League Conference something that uh, we think is a great, great thing for all the teams and very competitive conference. After our next guest, we're going to get to momentarily, who's been very patiently waiting, we're going to open up the phones again. The phone number is 646-200-0576. My name is Eric Wren. I'm joined here with Frank Rossi. And, Frank, one point before uh, – I know you have a point and I have a point, and then we're going to get to J.J. Watson, the running back from Merchant Marine Academy. We're going to, you mentioned we're going to talk to the Liberty League commissioner next week. I am throwing down the gauntlet, Frank. I'm going to go a step beyond. I want to get on this show, and I'm going to ask our listeners to send emails you know, helping us. I want to get Miles Brand, the president of the NCAA, on this show. A lot of you don't, might not know this. Miles Brand is an RPI graduate, so a Liberty League member is the president of the NCAA. How cool would that be if we could get Miles on the show? I'm waiting for you to produce. You've been saying this for a couple of weeks now. I'm waiting for you to produce. But, uh, you know, we don't have any RPI guests on this week. But I want to say one thing. This is not a paid endorsement or anything like that. But 
when I'm sitting here in Miami and on a Saturday during the home games for Union, since WREC does them, I have to, you know, pay attention to all the different games. And I got like three games going on here at the same time uh, on my computer. But one of the games I actually had on my computer was RPI's video feed. I paid seven dollars for it yesterday. I'll admit of uh, the RPI WPI game. And I got to say something. If any schools are listening out there, if you really want to do video for your team, you better look at the RPI B2 Networks uh, version of a video cast and try to pattern yourself after it because it was crisp from top to bottom. Started a few minutes late, but still, it was worth it still to watch that game. Two cameras at least, maybe three cameras, on-screen graphics. Uh, Kurt Studd always does a fine job for WPI, uh, WRPI, and they uh, put that over the video. Uh, just a great job altogether. So if you really want to see something great uh, in terms of a Division Three video cast, go for it and purchase that game next week or uh, next time RPI is home, actually, for $7. And you know that's not a paid – well, maybe folks did think it's a paid endorsement because you have a union guy pimping an RPI production. Cats and dogs living together, folks. Yeah, well, you got the dogs. I don't have the cats over here, though. <laughs> well, let's. Uh, I think we got uh, our fourth uh, interviewee of the night uh, with us, and the Hoffman Cup. We learned about last week, accidentally actually, by Seth Cantor, the uh, play-by-play voice of Merchant Marine Mariner football. And uh, I spoke to Seth yesterday after he called that game. I listened to a little bit of it, one of the four games actually I had on yesterday. And he said, Frank, if you want a great interview for tonight, uh, you definitely got to talk to J.J. Watson. And I looked at J.J. Uh, Watson's numbers. He was MVP of the game yesterday, 155 yards on the ground. No touchdowns, but 155 yards is 155 yards, folks, no matter how you slice it. And, uh, you know, a senior uh, that's – really doing some great things at Merchant Marine Academy. So let's bring in J.J. Watson. You with us, J.J.? Yeah, hey, how you doing, guys? Very well, thank you, and thanks for joining us in the huddle. Hey, it's great to be on. Thanks. J.J., uh, yesterday's game against St. Lawrence, uh, a team that is struggling, no doubt about it. Uh, They're 0-4 after the loss, as we had uh, talked to Justin Hager about. But you guys, uh, it was a back-and-forth game, no doubt about it, and you guys end up winning the Hoffman Cup. First things first, for those that might not have been with us last weekend, uh, I'm sure you've had asked the question, what in the heck is the Hoffman Cup? So here's your chance to explain it to the world. <laughs> okay, so, uh, yeah, the Hoffman Cup is a cup um, dedicated to uh, the Hoffman family. Uh, you know, the the dad attended the Merchant Marine Academy, and, uh, and then he went to um, St. Lawrence. So it's pretty much just a, a cup. Um, you know, dedicated to the family that they, they give out every year. So, Does it add to the intensity of that uh, game against St. Lawrence? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. And uh, especially since we won the Secretary's Cup uh, two weeks before, um, it's definitely great to get two cups this year. Yeah, you guys are mounting the hardware and the wins here and kind of flying under the radar. And now you, I, I think you host Susquehanna next week. Uh, which is a team that, as we pointed out, has had some trouble in their year and change, almost a year and a half in the Liberty League so far. I mean, there's a chance you guys could start 2-0 and in the Liberty League this season and still be off a lot of people's radars at that point. What's the feeling around the team about that, you being around there for a long time and seeing you know, some mediocre success here and there uh, for a team uh, down in Long Island in the uh, Liberty League? What's the feeling this year about – 
how things are going to be different from uh, prior years. Well, I definitely think we had a great start. I mean, one to know in the Liberty League so far, we got some momentum going. And, uh, you know, we just got to have a perfect practice. You know, we know we can win the game. So, uh, but um, just got to have a perfect practice this week, and uh, and we'll see what happens. But uh, everyone's positive attitude, um, you know, much tighter group than uh, last year and the year before. So uh, so it's, it's a good attitude over here. We got JJ Watson on the line with us in the huddle here, uh, talking about uh, his Merchant Marine Mariners. Uh, yesterday, a game against St. Lawrence. Next week, a game against Susquehanna. And 155 yards, as I uh, said, uh, bringing you into the conversation here, JJ, is uh, a, a big deal on the ground. I mean, what led to su- such success yesterday uh, on the ground for you? Uh, well, you know, we really have. Uh great fullbacks and uh we have a our our line really put it together uh opened up great holes um we were hitting them on the outside zone really hard and uh and it was just good the holes were there all all uh all day um I was able to cut back on a few runs uh I had almost breakaway but uh no it was good uh receivers were were good on the stock blocks uh line was getting into the second level so uh everything was working out pretty good Got a question that's going to transition into a question I know Eric Wren has for you, so I'll start this and then send it over to him. Why did you pick Merchant Marine Academy? Where else were you looking, and why did you choose to play football there? Well, uh, Merchant Marine Academy is just a just a great opportunity, uh, you know, to go to a federal service academy, um, you know, serve our country. Uh, I was getting recruited by um, University of Rhode Island and uh, Towson and then a bunch of uh, D2 schools, uh, East Strasburg University and uh, a few schools in uh, Pennsylvania. But, uh, you know, I, it was it was really a no-brainer to come here. Uh, excellent education. I'm studying engineering, and, um, you know, I, I just wanted to serve the country, uh, and it's, it's a good deal. So, Jay, this is Eric Ryan again. Congratulations um, on a fine career and a great performance. I like to consider myself probably in, uh, representative of kind of the average average person out there, and, and that point being that a lot of folks understand the what the what the high profile I would call you know major Division One service academies are you know West Point, Air Force, Annapolis, you know you got Coast Guard, you guys are a Federal Service Academy. Why don't you take us through a little bit? and maybe help educate this listener base of close to 200 users, what exactly, you know, from a from a career standpoint, the Merchant Marine Academy, what options it gives you? Because I think a lot of our listeners understand, hey, you go to West Point, you go into the Army. You go to Annapolis, you go into the Navy. You go to Coast Guard, right? You're in the Coast Guard. Merchant Marine, you know, it's I don't think it's as high on the public um, radar as far as understanding what options present themselves to our young men and women who want to serve the country and, and get a great education. So, you know, what, 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 maybe the best way to answer that is kind of give us some perspective on what the future holds for you. Okay, yeah. Um, well, like I said, I'm, I'm studying engineering, so uh, uh, marine engineering, and when I graduate, um, I'll serve in the Merchant Marine. Uh, it's, it's an obligation of keeping my uh, Coast Guard engineering license for up to five years. And um, I'll also be in the Navy Reserve 
commissioned as an ensign for uh, eight years, which you know is only two weeks a year. Or um, uh, you can also go active duty uh, in, in any branch service when you get out of here um, if you want. So I, I got a bunch of buddies that are going Army, uh, Navy flight, um, stuff like that. But uh, I'm I'm just gonna I'm gonna um, work as an engineer shore side and. Uh, and do the Navy Reserve thing, so. So you're not required to go active duty coming out of the academy. No, you're not required at all. But every midshipman here will uh, will be commissioned as an ensign in the Navy Reserve when they graduate. So when you come out of here, will you will you have the qualifications to I guess the guys that pilot the big ships, you know, the big ocean-going freighters and tankers? I mean, is that, is that the kind of qualification you're going to have, or is it just you're going to be like potentially an engineer that can work on a ship, or there are lots of different options within the academy. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, you can get your mate's license out of here, and uh, obviously those guys are the ones that pilot the big ships and uh, <clears throat> the freighters and all that. But uh, the engineers are the ones that operate uh, the engineering department, um, design the ships, you know, the structure, uh, build the ships, and uh, you know, just operate them day to day, uh, maintenance and stuff like that. So. Well, let me ask you a question, and I know Frank has is going to is going to take it back. But I, I just thought of this. I apologize, Frank. I, I promised you know I, I transition it. But you know when you have guys like this, uh, you know again we're very very appreciative, JJ. Not only are you someone who's playing football, but you're in school, you're getting a degree, and you are going to be in the Naval Reserve. Coach Zaloom mentioned, um, you know Frank brought it up. A great question. Coach Zaloom talked about. Woody talked about the, the team, the, to the team after, you know, the 9-11 week. You being uh, you know, tied to the military and at a service academy, talk about, I guess, what it means to you, that extra layer of, of being at a service academy plus being able to play a competitive sport and the perspective you take on your day-to-day -day life, you know, as you transition to the next next phase of your life. Yeah, well, um I mean, playing a sport here, it's it's really like a family, and uh, you know, it builds great camaraderie. And being at a service academy itself uh, builds camaraderie with your class because you know you you start out as a freshman and you're called a plebe, and then you have to you have to go through the recognition steps to be recognized in the regiment um, before you become a midshipman. So, you know, you you go through all that, and you're building camaraderie right there, and then you. You're uh, you're on the football team, and and you're really like a family. It's it's a it's a big thing. Um, we're all brothers over here, and uh, you know it's it's great. We're we're uh, you know we fight for each other. Hey JJ Frank Rossi again. JJ Watson joining us uh, from Merchant Marine Academy, and uh, I actually have a question based on my experience. I've been there twice uh, at the Merchant Marine Academy to call games uh, for Union College, and I think both times I want to say it was uh, homecoming an alumni weekend of sorts uh, for you guys. And you, there's a lot of pomp and circumstance uh, when it comes to both you and Coast Guard. I've seen this uh, happen now because uh, Coast Guard used to make union their uh, homecoming game too. Uh, but the level of alumni uh, that come out from all years, it's amazing to me, uh, just the pomp and circumstance around it all. I mean, do you notice or do you encounter a great deal of alumni support in discussion, et cetera, 
from your alumni there? Is there a personal feeling with them, uh, like you've been through it, uh, and I'm going to be going through this type of road uh, that you've been discussing with us? Take us through that as well. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, Alumni Weekend, uh, Homecoming Weekend is a very big deal here uh, in the regiment as well as with football. Um, you know, it, it starts Thursday, and, you know, we have luncheons and dinners and uh, special uh, um, comm commemorations uh, for the alumni. I mean, we have we have people from uh, since the school was established in 1943 coming back uh, as alumni, and it, it's, it's really a big deal. For, for the school and the program itself, um, because uh, without these these guys' support, you know, uh, we'd be nothing. And um, you know, the, the alumni foundation it's it's so strong. Uh, you know, that's how we get all our jobs when we get out of here. It's it's a great thing. You know, it's a big network, and uh, everyone helps each other out. You know, once they hear you're a Kings Pointer, you know, and, and they're they're a Kings Pointer, uh, it, things just click right there. So, and it, it's great uh, having all the alumni. At the football games, um, supporting us, so it, it's a good deal. Well, Mr. King's Pointer, it's a football talk show, so I'd be remiss if I didn't at, at least ask you one more football-related question about uh, on-the-field action in 2008 and uh, the Liberty League. I mean, you look at your schedule, look what's coming down the pike here, and look where you've already been so far. Where do you see yourselves uh, towards the end of the season? I know it's tough to predict. I know coaches say take one game at a time, but what's your feelings about 2008 and Kings Point football? Which would be, what should we be watching for as spectators and fans? Well, we uh, we really have a strong strong team this year, uh, much stronger than the years before, and uh, you know we're really optimistic about everything. Uh, you know, like you said, you take one game at a time, but. Uh, you know, we'll see what happens by the end of the season, but, uh, you know, we're expecting to win, um, you know, a lot more than the years in the, in the past. So, so uh, we're we're really positive this year. Sounds uh, like it. I got, I, got a little one. I got a little easier one for you, JJ. I know Frank likes to hit you between <laughs> the eyes, but uh, first, Sorry. <laughs> that's okay. That's why we're here, man. You know, first I'd like to say thank you for joining us. This is Eric. Thank you for joining us. I know you guys are busy at the Academy. You're a student athlete first and foremost. Thank you for serving your country. These are critical times we live in. We joke about it, but we all know the world's a scary place. It's a dangerous place. Who knows what the next few years hold? There's lots of, lots of threats to the United States out there, lots of enemies on every shore, and you're one of the people that helped provide security to us. You provide us the freedom, the, the ability to have this show. So. I mean this when I say it. I, I thank you for your efforts and your commitment to our country. So I just want to say that to you right now. I, thank, I, I thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, so my next question, the easy one. What, what, what do you think? I have asked everyone of this. What do you think about the format of a Liberty League talk show? Are you excited? Are your teammates listening? Are folks kind of, you know, happy to have something like this publicizing the league? Yeah, I'm definitely excited. I, I think it's really cool that you guys are doing this. Uh, you know, D3 football and uh, the Liberty League especially, uh, you know, needs some publicity. And uh, I think it's great um, that you guys are, you know, have the talk show and the chat. And uh, probably my whole team's listening right now. You know, I know my parents are listening. But, uh, you know, it's really well, great. Well, then you stole my phone. I was going to ask you who you wanted to say hello to. <laughs> yeah, shout-outs. Shout-outs. Yeah. Come on. Mom, Dad, hey. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Uh, to the seniors, definitely. Uh, they're my brothers. So, um, definitely shout out to them. 
without them, I wouldn't even be here right now. So. Well, J.J. Watson, we really do appreciate uh, you joining us. I want to echo what Eric had said to you about uh, thanking you for your service to our country. And that's a lot uh, down the line here in the 2008 season. Next weekend, it's Susquehanna in a night game. Uh, I believe your guys' homecoming is uh, that game this year? No, uh, our homecoming was uh, – it's, it's their homecoming at uh, Susquehanna. Gotcha. So. Excuse me. Yeah, I, I get my uh, information flipped sometimes here, but nonetheless, it's going to be a big game under the lights. Uh, so uh, best of luck to both teams, obviously, but uh, best of luck to you personally uh, for the remainder of the season. Thank you. Thank you, J.J. Watson, joining us JJ. from Merchant Marine Academy. And, uh, Eric, I think uh, we want to do two things here. First, we want to remind folks to uh, give us a call. It's time for you to spout off and join us here uh, for the first time, we're going to get some uh, just casual callers here on In the Huddle, and the number is 646-200-0576, 646-200-0576. Call us now. We get a busy signal. Uh, keep trying. We'll try to keep you up to date about how many uh, openings we have in the chat room in case you're joining us that way, too. And uh, why don't we send it to a quick uh, little 30-second spot for D3Football.com, our good friends over there. All season long, let D3Football.com be your home for all the Division Three football action on the road to the Stag Bowl. From interactive blogs and message boards to columns from around the region and around the nation on your favorite teams, nobody covers NCAA Division Three better than D3Football.com. As the playoffs approach, get the scoop on who's in and who's out from the experts who picked all 32 teams last year. Don't go anywhere else. Get the info from the source for Division Three football at www.D3Football.com. Well, well, again, welcome back. You are in the huddle, the only exclusive Fox show devoted to Liberty League football, NCAA football, Division Three content. My name is Eric Wren. You're joined here live in the huddle with Mr. Frank Rossi, longtime voice of Union College Dutchman. Me, I'm just a player. I played at RPI, but I think I know a few things about football. I've done some broadcasting. Our guest show uh, call-in number is 646 and, Frank, i got to tell you, this is the part of the show I'm not going to lie. I've been looking forward to it the most. I love our guests. We had a great, great, great slate of guests tonight. I'd like to thank them all again. Pedro Sosa from University of Rochester. What a class act. Fine young man. Tremendous effort against the University of or our Union College this weekend. Coach Ed Zaloom from WPI. Frank, I agree with you. We could have talked to Coach Zaloom for hours. I mean, great stories. Justin Hager, senior linebacker from Hobart College. Fantastic player. Uh, you know, great, great contributor to that team, as well as one of the finer linebackers in the country and in the conference. And J.J. Watson, what a quality young man, quality player, you know, quality contributor to society. Fantastic panel guest tonight, Frank, and I just wanted to, you know, say that I'm thrilled to have those folks. We're going to open up the phones in a second. I, I believe we got Joe from the Midwest, but Frank, I mean, what do you think about these guests we had tonight? Well, you know, it, it, we hit on the personal, we hit on the football. It, it's it, it's a good reminder. I mean, we had the story from Coach Zaloom about uh, 9-11 and uh, what he said on the field. And I remember having that, – that man's given me goosebumps uh, related to Union football games twice. Once, that story about 9-11, and I was on the sideline, and I uh, went out to the field during uh, his speech. I remember it pretty well. What he said was uh, accurate, uh, recounting that speech. And then the two-point conversion that he went through against Union in a uh, – a little less serious moment uh, because football is not nearly as serious as our national security when it comes down to it. But in a 28-27 game at WPI, I got goosebumps with that crowd the way it was. You know, I really did 
appreciate uh, his insight tonight. So, I mean, I really liked our guest list, and uh, i got to give credit to you, Eric Wren. I rarely do this, I know, uh, on the message boards and whatnot. But you uh, said to me tonight, Frank, bump up the show a half hour while you were on the road, and we were doing our kind of pre-prep, which actually lasts about three minutes usually each week. Well, that's a good point, Frank, because guess what? We are in bonus coverage, folks, bonus coverage in the huddle, Liberty League football. We are going to open up the phones. Right now we've got a couple slots. We do have a caller. Um, this is where we open it up and you speak what's on your mind. I believe, do we have Joe from the Midwest? Absolutely. This is Joe from RPI. <laughs> How you doing, Midwest? Eric? Welcome to In the Huddle. This is uh, oh, Eric man, this is, Rossi. This hey, Joe, just so, you know, guys. just so you know, Joe, How you doing? you've got 204 listeners. Hang on, you're every word right now. Well, I swear I'll, this I'll is a plant what, guess. Can you guys hear me this okay? Was, yeah, we can hear you yeah. okay if Frank doesn't talk on you. Yeah. I'm sorry. Well, I, I'm just saying you are planted here, Joe, because uh, the first guess we have is an RPI guess. Come on. How do you, what the wait, heck? Wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I said Joe from the Midwest. How do you translate that automatically to an RPI guy? Because he identified himself as such if you didn't talk over him. Oh, jeez. Well, guess what? Joe has the stones to get on the phone and talk Liberty League football and hold nothing back and be cutting edge. So, hey, if it takes an RPI guy to stand up and, 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 and you know, do it, so be it. Wait till shoes right. week, Joe. Wait till shoes week. So, Joe, what's on your mind tonight? You want to talk a little football? You want to talk about RPI keeping WPI in the game for a while, Union, you know, losing it the last second to U of R. You want to talk about the show? It's your time, buddy. Yeah, let me just say this, guys. You guys have knocked it out of the park as far as your slate goes. Um, you've had me sitting on the edge of my seat for the past couple of weeks now. Scott Green and Coach Ed from WPI, this is absolutely amazing. And, uh, you know, the, the roster you guys have put together is just it's great for Division Three and uh, for the Liberty League in general. It's just Absolutely fantastic. So thank you. I mean, hey, Joe, there's a Joe, we got to say one thing on that. We appreciate that. And you know what, Joe, maybe with you it hits home a little more because, you know, for those folks who don't – okay, I'm going to let the cat out of the bag. This is, this is not staged, but Joe did tell us he's going to call in. Joe is a uh, former college football player. He happened to play at RPI, former running back of, of, of you know, high quality in his own right. So, Joe, you know, you, you mentioned a couple times you like the Scott Green interview. There's a guy that you could probably identify with, a lot of energy – you know, coach, you know, played this position you play and knows how to say the right things to his team. I mean, what 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 are the things you like about a guy like that? I'll, I'll tell you, just his enthusiasm, enthusiasm that he carried across to the airwaves. I mean, I, I don't know. As far as a head coach goes, I mean, uh, putting him on the radio, I mean, that's that's a tough situation to be in, right? I mean, you call in, you're on the spot. I mean, you got guys grilling you who aren't necessarily in your in your exact team that might try to set you up, right? But the way that he handled those questions were just unbelievable. And the same goes for Coach Ed, too. I mean, fantastic oh, job. Oh, was he great or what? Both the guys were great. So, I mean, both hey, Joe, of them were great. Hey, Joe, I got a question for you. You're an RPI guy, right? Yeah, you, yeah. you dropped the ball on that earlier, uh, or at least dropped the hint. Uh you know, RPI right now, 3-0, 1-0 in the league. They seem to struggle at times against WPI, but then pick things back up. It was 35-21 the final after being tied 14 apiece, for those of you that didn't catch around the league earlier in the uh, beginning of the show. 
And there's been this perennial question, and I'm not going to take my side on this. People that read message boards probably know where I stand on this, and it's not against RPI when I say this, and I wish people would understand that. It's just in general. And Eric posed this question to Coach Sloom earlier. What do you think about RPI's non-conference scheduling? Wait a minute. I didn't post that question. I asked him, what is your philosophy on out of conference well, scheduling. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, insert you name are of asking here. Joe about RPI. I am not. I'm. I'm just saying insert name of school here. What do you think about RPI's non-conference scheduling? Because this is where the debate starts to seem to form a little bit. And I want to hear from an RPI, uh, you know, player, listener, uh, fan themselves. I want to hear what they have to uh, say about it. And, you know, you only learn by asking this question, I think, at the end of the day, when you're somebody like myself who's not an RPI guy necessarily. Yeah. Hey, hey, Frank, let me let me answer your question with a question, then I'll try to get to that a little bit more, okay? Sure. No problem. So, so my question is, you know, being from the Midwest, why don't former players and alumni and fans have more of an opportunity to get either a webcast or a video feed or whatever of these games. Why, you know, I understand you can pay. I, I don't even know how much you have to pay to listen to it, right? But I don't want to listen to the game. I want to see the game, right? So why do they make it so difficult, right? If I can get a, if I can get a webcast of, I don't know, Annapolis, Maryland, live on my computer, why do I have to either pay or not be able to see well, an RPI game? What's hard about it? I mean, Merchant Marine is free. They don't have all the camera angles and all the graphics. From you know what Frank said earlier, RPI's broadcast multiple camera angles, graphics. It's, it's what Frank seven bucks for for a game. Uh, at least for an individual game in a season pass, I think that's probably like four dollars a game or something like that. I, I mean, no. Do you think it should be free? I mean, obviously there's yeah. some kind of cost that the school incurs to to do that service. I mean, listen, are you, are you guys trying to get people hyped up on Division Three football? I mean, if you go to the stadium, it costs, what, three bucks to get in? Oh, go to RPI's website now. Games are like five or six bucks. Okay, so five bucks to get in. Why do I have to pay seven to watch it from my computer? Because you live in the Midwest. That's what I'm saying, right? I mean, if you want to build your fan... For you to pay that five bucks, it's like a four hundred dollar plane flight and a hundred fifty dollar hotel room. <laughs> what what I'm trying to say is, if you want to build your fan base, right, which RPI desperately needs to do, right, why are they charging people to watch these games? Why not just throw it out there and hope that someone bites on it enough to you know start contributing? I, I well, think Joe, I'm going to answer your question. I actually, I think it's the opposite of that, Joe. I think. I think all they're trying to do is recoup the cost. I mean, if folks have an insight into this, what, you know, we're going to have, actually, Joe, at some point, Kurt Studd, some of the RPI radio guys on the program, they committed to that. We're going to ask that question. That's a great question. But I think, you know what, this isn't Florida, right? This isn't the SEC where a million visitors will tune in and they know it's going to be there. They're probably doing this as a service, and they just want to recoup their cost. I mean, that's my personal take, you know? Well, uh, let, me, let me take it a step further. Uh, this is actually a controversy I walk into every so often at Union, and I'm happy to actually speak of it since you asked the question, Joe. Uh, there, there's a kind of a two-facet problem that schools approach uh, when they go into this direction. 
There are there is a contingent I know for a fact that especially a school like Union and every school for that matter, the coaches of other sports that basically ask the question, why does football get all these bells and whistles and whatnot and we don't? And part of the answer to that is, well, listen, at the end of the day, the funding that we get from these games will be spread across in a revenue share for the different sports to reap benefits from. I, when I do a football game for Union, it's coming out of my pocket, actually, on WABY. I, I, I'm not scared to say that. That's my contribution to the school each year. But yeah, it but starts the controversy. Norm, that's, that's, that's not the norm. I mean, most, most schools... No, it's not. It's, but what I'm, but, hey, for those hey, hey, Frank. Hey, Frank, this is Joe. Can you hear me? I can hear you fine, Joe. Go. Is that, is that not ridiculous? What, what aspect? Why? Why? I mean, for schools like RPI, Union, Hobart, I mean, you know how much these guys are charging to go to school there? You know how much people... What, what's well, going on? Can they not well, afford, you know, Joe, 10 I agree grand? With you. I, I agree with that can question. Can they not I afford 10 grand to, to, to boost their uh, athletic football? Well, you know, well, let, let, let me put it this way to you, Joe. I actually have a real, I have a real data point on that. And, and someone just texted us here in the chat room that said, U of R's webcast is free, just like Merchant Marine is free. I, I, that's a great question. I, I want to. You have my commitment, Joe. I'm going to hunt someone down to ask them why they are charging for this B2B. Bro- I think it's because part of it is because it's it's thrown out over the internet on this this service B2B. It's like a hosted service, so they probably have their charge to RPI as a hosting charge. So I'm sure RPI is just doing a pass through. But um, I've done some work as a broadcaster with. Uh, the D3 cast, if you recall a year ago when we did the Union Springfield game, that marathon and the lightning, that was televised on the web through D3 cast as a, as a no charge to your listeners' freak webcast. You know, those guys do a great job, Steve Clay, Todd Blonard, the guys in D3 cast. The, you know, that stuff's not cheap. I mean, for them, for them to have the equipment, the people time, the web time, all the interfaces, I mean, I'm sure they lose money on that, but they offer up a great product out to the uh, to the user community, and I'm sure they're trying to recoup it back with sponsors. But you know, this isn't Florida. This isn't Alabama. That's a great question you got, Joe. We've we've reached a state in the internet age, in the information age, where we expect everything presented to us, everything in our face, at no charge. I mean, think but about it. But it's not, though, Eric. But it's but not even for it. Florida and Alabama. It's not. But think about if, it. If it's not on ABC and ESPN, you've got to pay for it still but, on ESPN's this, game plan. This talk show, I mean, this is a, maybe a silly, trite example, but, hey, Frank and I are putting this time in, bringing to you, the Liberty League fans, the couple, two, three, four hundred fans that listen to this, this content at no charge. You know, we're the ones incurring the Internet costs. We're the ones, whatever. My point is, I, I, I do agree with you that, why can some schools offer these high-quality webcasts at no charge and RPI is charging? And I'd like to understand that. And, that's, and, and that. Union and Hobart, and uh, there's a few. There's a few. Yeah, I, and, and that's the only thing, guys, I don't mean to, to bring up sour grapes, right, but that's the only question I had. I want to get involved, but make it accessible. Not everyone can make it to Albany, New York, or wherever you know RPI is playing every 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 uh, game there. So just make it accessible. I mean, you have fans 
it, it's not like uh, you know you're going to gain millions of dollars worth of advertising dollars. Just make it accessible, though. No, I, I agree, and that's a, that's a great point. I'd like to remind you, folks. You are listening to In the Huddle on Blog Talk Radio, the exclusive talk show dedicated to Liberty League football content. We are open forum now. The phone lines are open. We've got a couple lines open. If you want to call us at 646-200-0576, we're on with Joe from the Midwest. Great stuff. We are in bonus coverage right now. And i got to say two things. We're not letting you off the hook, Joe. You're going to answer the out-of-conference <laughs> question of Frank Post. But, but also, I figure I was trying to get you off but, that but, one, Eric. But also, no, Frank, no, Frank, no, you know, no. Frank, what we haven't even done yet is talk about we've got 17 minutes left, 16 minutes, and we're going to hope Joe sticks around. We haven't even talked about next week's slate of games. You've got great Oh, games. I, I didn't forget. RPI Rochester, Union WPI, Hobart St. Lawrence, Merchant Marine, Susquehanna. And actually what I like to keep Joe on the phone for is as we – as Joe answers this question and we transition to next week's game, the open forum, and we, do, and we throw it around the table where we make our picks, I'd like Joe to make his picks on those games as we take it around the horn. Joe, you okay with that? Sure. Uh, I'm, I'm okay with answering the question. I'll let you guys make my picks for me. How's that sound? You're not going to make a pick, Joe? <laughs> I, I don't know enough about him. I haven't, I haven't That's done That's the fun part of it, anything. man. Come on. You've got his so, 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 All right. We okay, won't okay. Wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Hey, we, are, we are a fan-friendly show. We don't badger our listeners. If, if you want to answer the question and uh, get back to whatever it is you're doing in the Midwest, we, we respect that. Um, we got about 15 minutes. So, actually, Frank, in, in the spirit of bonus coverage and keeping to our agenda, why don't we let Joe get back to your question and then pull it back into next week's slate and then, and then let our fans go. We've had a lot of coverage tonight. And uh, I think folks, you know, as much as they want to stay and listen to us, they probably got other lives. Joe, let me remind you of the question. As an attorney, it feels like I have an objection. I, I it was uh, overruled, so now I have to, you know, re-ask the question for your memory. And that was, what do you think, as a fan of your team's out-of-conference scheduling, that seems to start a big controversy every year because of Why don't you add the caveat, Frank? Why don't you add the caveat, like we did to Coach Zalom? Joe, why don't you answer it first from the standpoint of your philosophy in general on out-of-conference scheduling, specifically at this level, Division Three, the Liberty League, and then talk about your particular team. So a two-part. Fair enough. That's good. Sure. So I, I, I think for at least the first game, uh, non-conference scheduling, right, being a player or a fan of a team who you want to win, who you want to advance to the semifinals or finals in an NCAA tournament, I think you absolutely need to schedule a team that you can beat five out of five times, okay? Um, it, it just needs to happen, okay? Whether, whether you call it a cupcake team or what, it needs to happen to boost team morale and to show you where you are when you get up against better opponents. That's, that's the first thing, right, for non-conference teams. For the rest of the year, I think you have to schedule teams that are on par or better than you to beat. Right? So when you get to that next level, so when you break into the NCAA tournaments, you're going you're gonna to face these teams anyway. So why not get it out of the way in the third, fourth, or fifth games? Right? You're going to face them. So man up. So you're Wait a fan of the Mount Union College home and home series. Mount Union, I mean, 
I, no, the Fisher Mount home and home. You know, Eric, I trade them for the tournament, right? Because uh, you know you need to be playing, <laughs> playing at a you know if you're talking about RPI versus Mount Union, you need to be playing at a level that you've never played at before to beat. But that loss, if you lose, won't count against you. We've seen that a number of times when it comes to Pool C uh, consideration for a team. Doesn't matter. You'll oh, never oh. beat Mount Union on a normal day, Frank. Don't you learn something? So, so part two of your question then, to that point, as, as an RPI supporter, if you had the slate clean and you're the AD at RPI and you've, yeah. got, two, if you, if, if you've got two games to play with, assuming you play a or nine three, or three, or three, or three, which you can throw your thoughts in on that, Joe, if you want to add a tenth sure. game, but who do you want to schedule? Ithaca? Well, don't, don't forget, when I was playing, we were spanking Fisher for four years straight. So, I mean, don't I, I put them right back in the lineup. Well, certainly. You know, what are, that, what are yeah, they that doing that we're that not doing? A, that would be a good team that a lot of folks would probably say would be a good test. They're, you know, they've been ranked in the top ten for the last few years. You know, That's but right. To Joe's point, Eric, but to Joe's point, he's saying, you know, where did Fisher come from? How do they get this good to a certain extent somewhere in your comment there, Joe? Well, wait a they schedule a lot of tough Fisher, teams. Fisher didn't get this good by scheduling big time out of conference teams. I mean, now, yes, I don't... they did. Yes, they did. Okay. They, so... they had a hellish schedule for about five to six years as they were climbing, and I could show you that uh, between uh, the shows. You really want to see evidence of it. So, so is that logic that. being the same, Frank? Hey. Would, you, would you say that Union's out-of-conference schedule has made them to the level of Fisher or other teams that well, have done that? Frank, I, I disagree with you as well, Frank. Where do, okay, so where does Fisher get their success from? Number one, the money they put into the school, right? Have you seen what they did to their to – their, uh, Facilities there, right? I call. I call two games in the last two years. Yes, I have. Okay, so that's where it came from. It didn't come from scheduling random random teams. It came from them putting effort into the program. Look, look, folks. Let's just be straight about something, Joe. You got a great point. I mean, it's 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 a myriad of things. It's having a commitment to the infrastructure, which in Fisher's case was a stadium, which hopefully, if that logic holds true. A team like RPI with the East Campus Village Stadium coming, which is going to be one of the finest showpieces in the country of Division Three architecture, that's going to help. Cortland has the same thing happen with them with their stadium. You've seen the facilities out of St. John's and Collegeville. So it's, it, it's, it's all aspects. A stadium does not make a team. There's other aspects. You, know, you have to have a commitment from the academic office. Uh, the, the registrar, the, 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 the financial aid, the, the, the recruiting office, you have to get in kids that are good students but that maybe don't fit just in the profile. What's the average SAT score of an RPI student? 1250? 1300? Now go back well, to every that's, school. That's the old scale. Uh, well, no, no, yeah. I'm using RPI as an example. It could be any school in the Liberty League. We all have high standards in this conference. My point is yep. this. Eric, Eric is, they go up to 2,400 on SATs now. My, my point is that, okay, exactly. Well, my point is that <laughs> it's a combination of things. It's infrastructure, it's a financial aid commitment, and it's an academic commitment. Any school that's going to be good is going to have good players. I mean, we all like to think that we have the best students on the rosters. Guess what? You've got to have football players, all right? You've got to have good kids that are good football players. And maybe it means that, hey, because of your act 
extracurricular excellence and, and the things you do, hey, I'm a great student. I'm a great leader on, on, on the campus. I'm a great leader in the community. But my SATs might not be the same as, as some kid who all he does is prep for those SATs. So my point is this, is that it's a, it's a complete package. You have to have a commitment from the financial aid office. You have to have a commitment from the, the uh, admissions office, from the infrastructure of the school. And I, I truly believe that if you look at the formula, you look at the teams that have, done, have had success, you've got, you've got kids in the roster that came because they wanted to come to a place with good facilities that maybe, you know, didn't have the highest standardized test scores but were good, well-rounded students. I mean, you know, but let me tell you it's, something. It's no, different, game it's no different than SEC football, Big Ten football. you got to have players. I called, I called a game at Mount Union last year. It was my first time going out to Alliance, Ohio. I was not in awe at all of their facilities, except, except for their press box. Nice press box, no doubt about it. Oh, press box facilities are nothing mean, special. They're, they're nothing that great. And yet they have a constant stream of success. So it's not facilities that's drawing kids into Mount Union, no doubt about that. I think it's a big difference academically and student profile between the Ohio Athletic Conference and the Liberty League or the Empire 8. Or the, or, or That's the fine, but, but you're trying to compare apples and oranges across the board here a little bit, and my point to you is ultimately doesn't a schedule have some effect no matter who you are? And, Joe, the question I want to land on your plate that Eric had asked you is, okay, you've got ten weeks to uh, open the schedule. You can take it by if you choose. Seven of your games are scheduled already for you by a league. Who would you like to play if you had a clean slate with those other three weeks to make the decisions, and where do you put well, I them? I think Joe said Fisher for one. Yeah. Fisher, okay, Fisher so go ahead. definitely one. Um, you know, I, I do don't you want play to the middle or early? Here, right? You know, I, I don't want to get too far off topic, right, Frank? But you can't keep comparing Mount Union and their facilities to the rest of Division Three, right? Because the name carries more in Mount Union anywhere else okay fair enough okay fair enough so I, i'll give you that but i'm just my, my point is that if we're basing on facilities alone it's definitely ain't mount union that's going to be one of the kids well okay. make no bones about it come next fall rpi is going to have probably one of the top two or three or four stadium yep. facilities so, in so real quick guys the, 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 the three teams the three teams that i would schedule number one fisher number two Cortland, number three, Ithaca. If if you could schedule those guys into your slate, I'd at least gauge for two, one or two of them to be in your slate for non-conference games. I, I agree those with your Cortland and Ithaca selections, Joe, because academically those at least can, I, I think, align with the concept of the Liberty League. Cortland's a little yep. bit of a surprise. I think that's a pure football pick you're making right there. Yeah, but if, if you want to, if you want to man up, then that's a team you go against, right? If so you're you talking about Eric, regional northeast powers. Why not? Why not yeah, a Rowan? You, you got to go against the powers. I mean, why not a Rowan? Why not a Del Valley? Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm talking about New York teams here. I'm not. Okay, no, that's fair. I'm, I'm just throwing it out there. You're talking about beating yeah. some of the best regionally. I played against Rowan in uh, '99 or 2000. Those guys were just—they were big men. So uh, I, I just think they were at a different academic level and uh, a, a different athletic level as well. 
I'll tell you what. Hey, we've got five minutes remaining, Frank. We do yeah. have to get to the slate of games. Let's, we let, make let's keep let's keep Joe online with us. At least uh, you can give us any comments he might have about the game. Tell you what, Joe. Yeah, I'm, I'm just gonna mute. I'll let you guys finish it up. I'll mute and let well, you call on me. So here's Thank what we're gonna you. do. We're gonna give a 30 second spot to our tremendous supporter. Pat Coleman, D3Football.com, a big supporter of our show, someone we rely on very heavily for a lot of our content. We'd like to thank our inaugural caller, Joe from the Midwest. You know, no holds barred, un, un, unabashed feedback. You know, Joe, we, we look to you for that kind of candor. Thank you very much for joining us. We hope you enjoyed the show, and it was a pleasure having you on as one of our first caller guests. All season long, let D3Football.com be your home for all the Division Three football action on the road to the Stag Bowl. From interactive blogs and message boards to columns from around the region and around the nation on your favorite teams, nobody covers NCAA Division Three better than D3Football.com. As the playoffs approach, get the scoop on who's in and who's out from the experts who picked all 32 teams last year. Don't go anywhere else. Get the info from the source for Division Three football at www.D3Football.com. And we're back, final four and a, uh, final three and a half minutes to go, so we're going to have to buzz through this quick. I think we learned one lesson, Frank, is that the bonus coverage is actually <laughs> pretty you important. You're, you're listening well, in the huddle, and we're at the final segment of our show. We're hustling along. We have a great panel of guests. Frank, I know you have some people to thank. I want to thank Pedro Sosa, Ed Zaloom, Justin Hagar, and J.J. Watson, our four guests. Fantastic content. Fantastic amount of feedback coming back. Great listenership. We'd like to thank our, our our inaugural caller, Joe from Midwest. You know, didn't shy away from some tough questions. You know, good good yep. content, all met in the spirit of fun. Frank, who are you thinking, or who are you thinking? <laughs> well, first, I want to thank Dennis O'Donnell from Rochester and Rusty, uh, the SID over at uh, WPI, and uh, Mr. Mraz. I believe it's uh, Josh Mraz uh, down in. Uh, Kings Point for helping arrange uh, the game, or the uh, interviews that we had, and Coach Loom, uh, obviously himself, and the players, everybody that really put this uh, thing together because we did do some overnight requests, and also Ken DeBolt at Hobart. Uh, I don't want to forget him. Eric, I'm going to name a game here. We don't have enough time really to go too yeah, deep into my we, we got two marquee matchups, Frank, that deserve 20 seconds apiece. Yep. Well, they all deserve One. a lot of content, but, but a couple of them to me seem like they should be kind of no-brainers. Two of these well, let me, do, let me get to them here. Yeah, let's uh, run 1 p.m. RPI Rochester, Frank. That's 12 p.m. on Saturday. You can't really call this game because we uh, agree that uh, when you have allegiance, you can't. I'm going to say Rochester in an upset for the third straight win against RPI. I, I really think Rochester learned a lot this weekend. And just listening to Pedro Sosa and uh, Coach Green last week, I think they've got it in them. And it's going to be a great game, though. Don't get me wrong. It's going to be a very good game. Certainly certainly a great game. U of R, Scott Green, the last couple of years, knows how to play tough against RPI. My allegiance doesn't allow me to make a pick. Clearly, RPI has their work to do. Rochester's had their number. RPI is one of the early preseason picks to win this league. So they, they got this is this is one of their toughest contests of the, of the, of the year. So, Frank, you're going to My allegiance, I can't. Yeah, I can't pick the next game. We got a minute left, Frank. Union, WPI, you can't pick this. I'll tell you what. To me, both teams, tough contest. It's at WPI. WPI is going to play in tough like they always do at home. I think Union makes a statement and bounces back, Frank. I think they have to. This is a team that wants to compete. They got to get, you know, they got to turn it around. I think they're going to turn around the ship right here. Hobart, St. Lawrence, I think the statesman, Frank, even though it's at St. Lawrence, they're going to be too much to handle. I think they're going to run. I think they're going to take it to St. Lawrence. Um, your thoughts on that? I, Give me five seconds. I agree with you. I agree with you. I just uh, wish that Hobart's uh, offensive defense would jail simultaneously in a game. It really hasn't happened 
so far in the three games completely, and this might be their chance to really tune up for what's going to be tougher games down the line. Merchant Marine at Susquehanna, 6 p.m. game at Susquehanna under the lights. What do you think? Uh, I think Merchant Marine has, has the pieces in place. I think they're playing tough. Uh, J.J. Watson, you know, our guest tonight, I think he's going to get the ball a lot. Susquehanna's trying to right that ship, but I still think the, the Academy, Merchant Marine, has successful in the season. I think they're too much for Susquehanna. Uh, so I'll tell you what, Frank. We're uh, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna I, my 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 soundboard is uh, <laughs> doing its own thing. But uh, hey, Eric, I agree I, with I, you on Merchant Marine, by the way. I agree with Merchant Marine. And, uh, thanks for running the board, and I really enjoyed being with you again tonight. So let's uh, do it again next week. And what's that sound like to you? So our pick, Frank picks Rush in the upset. Eric picks Union over WPI at home. We both agree on Hobart. We both agree on Merchant Marine. We have got to thank Pedro Sosa, Ezra Wolf, Justin Hagar, and J.J. Watson. Fantastic second show. Thank you, my co-host, Frank Rossi. It's been a fantastic time. And guess what? You've been in the huddle!